again and welcome to episode 78 of the Retro Wrestling Podcast. I'm intern Alex, joined as always by the one and only, the greatest referee in professional wrestling history, Patrick Young. And Patrick, before we get into Slamboree 2000, where David Arquette, world champion, they can't take it away from him, would defend in a triple cage, a ready-to-rumble cage match, we want to talk about the one biggest news item from the week, and that is All In, which is... In May 2017, so a year ago, someone asked Dave Meltzer on Twitter if Ring of Honor could sell 10,000 tickets. And Dave, Big Dave, said, not anytime soon. And Cody Rhodes said, I'll take that bet, Dave. Cody and the Young Bucks, and then Stephen Amell and Kenny Omega uh, all got together and they organized this event at the Sears Center in outside of Chicago, Illinois. In less than 30 minutes, despite only having one announced match... They sold out 10,000 tickets in less than 30 minutes. The first time it's been done since WCW, and the first time it's done since non-WCW, since like the early 90s. Yeah. So... An indie show selling out a a 10,000-seat arena is extremely impressive. They've got an array of talent. They have no card, but you've got people like Tessa Blanchard. You've got Okada is going to be there. Kenny Omega. The only announced match is the NWA World Heavyweight Championship match between Cody and... And Nick Aldis, or Magnus from TNA, Mr. Mickey James, is go- is the only announced match. Yeah. They sold 10,000 tickets on one announced match. But they also have Rey Mysterio participating. Uh, the rest, I mean, obviously, Young Bucks are going to be there. The only match worth watching is seeing a Rhodes go for the NWA title. That's all I've got. That, that right there, for true wrestling historians, a Rhodes going... A- Again, for the NWA World Heavyweight Well, title. naturally, also, the Rhodes is also booking himself in the title match, so that seems That's true. pretty That's appropriate. That's very true. He's following in uh, his father's great footsteps. Uh, they've got a lot of things around this, conventions taking place. So they're trying to turn this into a, uh unofficial Wrestlemania type event. So it'll be curious to see what the WWE does in response if they decide to run NXT a takeover event that same night. I wouldn't put it past them because it'd be really petty of them to do it. I imagine they could even do it in Chicago. I think they would fail. They might not. Because a lot of WWE events don't sell 10,000 tickets. A lot of WCW events, like the one we're about to review, didn't sell 10,000 tickets. This one did. And they're bought and paid for. And Cash has already been transferred over. Yeah, those are sold. Those are sold. Yeah, and sold off nothing. Off of names alone. So... I think WWE might be foolish if they tried to, but I could definitely see them. Now, here, here's the thing. Here's where the gamble has paid off, sort of. You've rolled one dice and got a one. Best thing in the world they could do is roll another and get snake eyes. Because if they can pull off, pull this off completely, that will change the whole trajectory of the independent scene altogether. Well, it, it's that massive. Well, it changes wrestling altogether if they can do it. See, this is the thing. This is a th- this is my one caveat to the whole thing. People were just over the moon about it. It is very impressive what they did. It is. People were rightly on Twitter boasting about it. You know, the people involved with making it were boasting about it. People have bought tickets, wrestling writers, all of this stuff. Yeah, it's something to celebrate. But can you do it again? Can you? No. Can no. you? Can you? No. Here's here's the thing. Not just that. It's you did it. But can you back it up? If you put together a shitty-ass show and everybody goes home upset, then it'll never happen again. That's what I mean by you rolled the first dice and the, the cells have come in. you got to now play your hand and roll the second dice and deliver on a good show. 
if you can deliver on a good show, it literally will change the course of indie wrestling. If not, and everybody goes home pissed and all that, you're going to be looked at as a failure. Also, I think it's important that they that they find, I don't know if they're going to do it through Ring of Honor or whoever, but to stream this show, to televise it, they need to have it televised because... High Spots needs to do it. Uh, Highspots.com does uh, internet pay-per-view. Yeah, iPay-per-view. Yeah. Whatever provider they go with, they need to televise it because, look, I mean, I wasn't that interested in the event. Sorry. I'm just not that keen on the indie scene. I'm, I try to be aware of it. I try to stay up on it. But I'm not going to drive to Chicago in September uh, for we have show. A, we have a friend who is. Yeah, we do have a friend that got his tickets within the 30 minutes, but I didn't. But now I'm curious. Now I want to see it. I'd like to see a stream of it. So I yeah. hope that they get that worked out but Rey Mysterio's announced for it um, a lot of other talent could possibly show up the big rumor of CM Punk I just hope that people didn't buy their tickets ex- definitely expecting CM Punk he's not gonna wrestle if he shows up it's literally going to be like hey what's up to the fans he will and that might be good enough yeah he will I highly highly suspect he's not wrestling what is unique about this though is that it's you know it's not ring of honor booking this event it's Cody and the young bucks so it's all these different independent wrestlers coming together to make this show happen that that's really kind of crazy to me to it's think. a it's a Rhodes with the pencil that's the most important part but it's kind of like you know, my dad could do it, can I? Well, and what's also interesting is, yeah, you can put on all these matches. Could yeah. be five-star classic in-the-ring yeah. matches. Yeah. But you've got to build storylines now without TV. You've got to build them through the internet, through social media. You've got to build these right. storylines without any interaction, possibly, because... Right. Rey Mysterio isn't going to see whoever he's facing probably until September. So you're going to have to build these matches in another way. You're going to have to put video packages together that explain some kind of rivalry. How how do you build get, heat? You're going to have to get guys like Rey Mysterio to go on their personal Facebook page, Twitter, whatever, and film video. Yeah, it's going to be interesting seeing how they build storylines without traditional week-to-week television. But they've got four months to do it, so... Congratulations to them. I'm excited for it. I think it's great for wrestling in general. It shows how hot indie wrestling is. It and sends a huge message to the WWE. That's what I was, literally was about to say. It's a slap in the face and a wake-up call, in my opinion, to Vince and Triple H of, hey, we got to get our shit together. 10,000 people are rejecting your product. I don't think a majority of these 10,000 would still go to a WWE show. They might go to an NXT show. Yeah. But a main show featuring Roman Reigns and whoever, yeah. I'm not sure they're buying tickets to that. No. Uh, one other piece of news you just delivered to me. The revival was called Back to NXT. A rare return. Which is bullshit because, I'm sorry, I'm, I'll speak I'll speak frank here. I have not liked the tag team scene in a long time. Oh, the tag team scene, especially now on Raw, it's is shit. very weak. It's shit. I actually got chills thinking it was old school tag team wrestling at its best bringing up I'm thinking holy shit it's it's Arn and Ole they cut off the Ricky, ring it's Ricky and Robert <laughs> it's it's great just classic tag team focus on a limb and you fuck 
the fans, you fuck them, and you pull them back down. They that's, pull a Zack Ryder. I mean, they sent Zack Ryder back. He's the only other really example that I can think of that had to go back, you know. And Well, Zack needs to go back and stay. <laughs> but, man, no, it sucks. Uh, they were, Remember at the uh, Nashville NXT show we went to, they were the ones that wrestled Gargano and Ciampa. When yeah. Ch- Gargano and Ciampa weren't even signed full-time wrestlers at that time, and then the Revival were the champions. And I, I remember I didn't know either team, but I was very... That was the best match of the night. By that far. was. I'm gonna be honest with you. I, you had watched a little bit of NXT. I had nothing. I had. I had heard of it. I knew WWE funded it. I knew it was their version of like the training facilities before you make it to the show. Yeah. I had never watched a single episode. Didn't know anybody. I still haven't. I think I've maybe watched like one episode. Didn't know anybody down there. Didn't know nothing. And so when we went to that show. Like, I remember when American Alpha come out, and I'm sitting there telling you, like, who the fuck, are, who's doing the Steiners? Like, because that... Yeah. That was the Steiners. That was Scott and Rick, you know? They went over in their match, they as did. I recall. But the one thing that stood out to me was the revival. I was like, holy shit, this is str- this is real wrestling. Like, this... It was, was different. It, it was something it different. It was something that people wanted to see. Yeah. And that's the thing... A style that had gone away. And I worked with, uh, well, I worked with uh, Shane Douglas a couple years ago, and Shane said something. It was just brilliant. He he said, you know what? Old school wrestling has not been seen in so long that now if you actually did an old school wrestling, if you had an old school wrestling gimmick, shit would be over. And yeah. sure enough, here comes the revival, and fuck, it, it was over. It worked. Until it got to the main card, and then they just then shat they, on they, it. Yeah. I, and I don't get it. I really don't get it. I, but it happens with a lot of their call-ups to the main roster for whatever reason. Well, they don't know what the fuck they're doing with them. It's from when it goes to Triple H's hands, and he says, here, Vince, here you go. And then Vince, you know, his yeah, warped mind Vince, you know, ah, I don't see nothing in these guys. They're too, they're too damn little. They'll be, uh, I mean, on Raw 25, they were the joke of that Bullet Club NWOVX oh, yeah. segment. I mean... Yeah. Which I got pissed about. Which was originally supposed to be Enzo, which also, that's probably the other other big news story from the week. Enzo, no charges filed, all charges cleared. He is is good to go. Don't know who would want him to wrestle. He was a terrible wrestler, but he can find some other sort of avenue to where... I'd love to have him back in WWE. I think as a manager, as a mouthpiece, I'd never want to see this guy in the ring again. I thought found him to be one of the worst wrestlers. See, I thought he was entertaining as hell. And he's dangerous to himself. I mean, that concussion. Oh well, yeah, he got, dude, that was, concussion was ugly. Drove Neville out of the business. Well, because they wanted him to lose to. Uh, they wanted Neville to lose to Enzo one night, and he said, "No." Even though he lost to him originally, but he wanted to lose to him again. And he was like, "I already did the job. I'm not. I can't do this again." Yeah. And that was the straw that broke the camel's back, and you know, Neville's gone. That's a guy who I do want to see on the indie scene. If he showed up at All In, that would be awesome. But it's not yeah. going to happen. As his contract is probably frozen. So he is in limbo and for the foreseeable future. So Yeah, I mean, he's got to meet his dates. Yeah. There's no way around they, it. They've done, they did it to Rey Mysterio with all his knee problems. They said, you owe us this much time because you missed it from your knees. And so I'm sure they're going to do that with Neville. Say, you sat out. Now it's time to go back all the way to the year 2000, Patrick, as you drug us down into the David Arquette saga. Yes. You know why? Because he's from Hollywood, baby! Yes, ready to rumble. The WCW film 
It was directed by Brian Robbins. Uh, now, Brian Robbins also directed another uh, favorite, probably, of our generation, Good Burger. But more importantly, Varsity Blues. So they got the guy from Varsity Blues, they thought. That was a massive success. We can, you know, we can pull this off. He knows what he's doing. Yeah. Since then, he's done nothing of note, really. Uh, well, he did do Norbit. So he's done some of the worst movies ever. His best-reviewed film was from 95. It was called The Show. Ready to Rumble, directed by Brian Robbins, written by Stephen Brill, and starring, of course, David Arquette as Gordy Box, who dreams of becoming a pro wrestler, but his dad is a state trooper and wants him to go into the force. Sometimes he can't even wrestle his wee-wee out of his pants. Take a leak, you know. That's true. And his best friend is Scott Kahn, Sean Dawkins, and then their favorite wrestler is, of course, Jimmy King, played by Oliver Platt. Because I will rule you. The worst rapping wrestler gimmick ever. I mean, as bad as Road Dogg's rapping was when he was with K-Quick there for a minute, <laughs> he is a... He's Eminem compared to Oliver Platt. Because I'm to the rap. king of rap. There is none hotter. <laughs> <sighs> it ran only 107 minutes. 107 minutes too long. It debuted on April 7th, 2000. Buenos nachos. Gory, I didn't know you spoke Spanish. Are you fluent? No. I feel fine. Gordy and Sean had dead-end jobs. People always said I was a dreamer, an idiot, and a waste of life, and I will never amount to anything. Hit me, baby, one more time. No luck with the ladies. Brittany, let's go out again. We'll talk about me and you. Dude, you're in there. And no one to look up to. Freeze! Your sister shot her first perp today. That's nice, Gabby. But at least they had a hero. Jimmy King is the greatest wrestler of all time. Wrestling's fake. Wrestling's not fake! Down goes Jimmy King! Oh my god, a four-post massacre! No one can survive this! This isn't even a pay-per-view! Would that be raw sewage I'm smelling? They kind of always liked that smell. Now, these dreamers... Me and my associate, we're on a quest to find King. It's him! King King! ...will go to any lengths... Please crowd out! Oh, no! Yeah. Oh, oh, that was great! ...and do whatever it takes... We got a friend who's gonna get you a trainer. Everybody knows wrestling's fake. ...to put their king... Do I feel fake? Back on his throne. Any match, any time. The steel cage. Steel cage wins. No, no, no. It's done. Bring it up. We are. You chicks rock. With a budget of $24 million, how do you think it fared at the box office, Patrick? Oh, to the moon and back. Uh, it made $12.5 million, so not even... Just a little over half its budget, not counting advertising, so it lost a shit ton of money. 
So, of course, they reached out to David Arquette in April to promote the movie, and they said, David, would you like to come in and do some stuff for us? And he said, sure. And then the idea was brought up jokingly in a creative meeting with Vince Russo. In fact, it was I think it was Tony Schiavone who said, uh, maybe we should throw the belt on him. But he said it as a joke. And Vince Russo's eyes lit up, Patrick. And okay. he said... Absolutely. <laughs> this is where true wrestling historians hate me. I think it's a brilliant idea. I think it is hilarious. It is you have a you, you have a business that went from making a shit ton of money with Eric Bischoff leading it to sinking like quicker than the Titanic. I think you have a valid point. You have, I'm not gonna say it's you it's have, a good business idea, but you have the you have a movie featuring that company coming out. Why not do something to get not only on... That gets you on Entertainment Tonight. That gets you on E-Hollywood. That gets you on literally on front page media, uh, not just sports. So it gets your brand out there. I think it was brilliant. I really do. A lot of people, however, Jim Ross being one of the main leaders, think it is the most disgusting disgrace. Oh, yeah. Now, the one thing I will say... And I was going to bring this up more towards the end of the podcast. Is this is not what killed WCW no, at all? And no. and for them to, even in the death of WCW DVD, to make this a point, like this was nothing. In all of the mistakes that they made, this was not that bad. No, the state of WCW in the year two thousand, in January, well, in October ninety nine, Vince Russo and Ed Ferrara were brought in as lead creative. Eric Bischoff was sent home earlier that year. Kevin Nash had been booking the show until they came in. God, we were hurting there. Yes. And Vince Russo and Ed Ferrara came in. In January, Vince Russo was sent home. With pay, of course, because this is WCW. (laughs) When he wanted Tank Abbott to win the world title in the January pay-per-view, which was sold out. He wanted Tank Abbott to win because his two lead wrestlers, Bret Hart and Jeff Jarrett... Both suffered concussions, so they could not take part in the event. Which, so, at that point in time, turned out to be the end of Brett's career. Yes, that was the end. Jeff Jarrett had suffered a concussion from a Jimmy Superfly Snooka cage splash, I'm not shitting you, on the Nitro before Sold Out 2000. So, both of his main guys were out, and so what happened was Sid Vicious took on Chris Benoit. Chris Benoit won the title. Then they introduced the new booking committee, which included Kevin Sullivan and Mike... Mike Graham? Yes, Mike Graham. So they introduced this new booking committee. They said, Vince Russo has gone home. Hey, Chris Benoit, Eddie, Perry, uh, Shane Douglas, uh, Dean. Uh, hey, everybody, come together. We're going to have a meeting. Uh, this is your new booking committee. And it was Kevin Sullivan, which Benoit did not like. And it was Mike Graham. And Mike Graham then proceeded to tell the wrestlers... If you don't like it, I'm going to fucking kill you. Or something like, um, along those lines. Threatened these wrestlers. So, a group of wrestlers, the Radicals, as they ended up being called in WWE, left. Because they were able to then go to Time Warner and say, our bosses just threatened physical violence against us if we decided we didn't like how this was going. So to avoid a lawsuit, they let... Two of their biggest stars in Chris Benoit and Eddie Guerrero, I mean, not, they didn't, I mean, two future main eventers, they let them go. Yeah. Because of this. So, Russo was then uh, sent home. Uh, this booking committee did even worse than Vince Russo and Eric Bischoff. So, 
In April, they decided to have a reset Nitro, where they decided to totally strip all the titles. We're going to totally redo this thing. Redo the Nitro set. Vince Russo was introduced on screen. He had previously not been on screen. He was the powers that be in backstage segments. But now Russo and Bischoff were called back and supposed to right this ship together. And so what they decided on... For whatever reason, I don't know why they did this. They made all the veteran baby faces. They put them in a group called the Millionaires Club, which I thought was brilliant. I think it's fine to put the veteran veterans together, but they can't be the baby faces, and they can't be called the Millionaires Club. You know why? Because Ted DiBiase, the Million Dollar Man, cannot be a face. You and I will never have a million dollars, probably. So that's not the common man. So sure. when you call one of my favorite wrestlers, when you call Sting, oh, he's in the Millionaires Club. He's above us but he's still a good guy this is a serious clash of messages that you're sending me right and then they put them against the new blood which was also very confusing because even though you had some veterans in the new blood the young people are heels the up-and-comers are heels and all the old people they're good guys so how are you ever going to get your younger talent over this was a big big dilemma yeah it just should have been booked dif- reverse the millionaires club should have come out and said we're holding you guys down because you suck yeah you got to take our spot yeah and turned them all millionaires club should have been heels not baby faces i mean right. i mean that's just common sense booking i mean the three-month feud between billy kidman and hulk hogan is proof of why you should probably do things differently you know i mean so the movie ready to rumble was shot in 1999. It was supposed to star Eric Bischoff in the role of the booker. He got fired, so he was not in the film. Jeff Jarrett came along in October 99 with Russo, and so his main beef with the film was that he was not in it, despite he was with the other company while the filming of this film was going on. So he was upset about not being a part of Ready to Rumble, even though he was in the WWF. Correct. So that is the main feud that fueled this. So on April 26th, just a few, just a couple weeks after the reset, Nitro, Thunder, David Arquette, in a tag team match. Yes. He's booked with his friend, world champion DDP. Takes who, on, it's DDP and David Arquette taking on Jeff Jarrett and Eric Bischoff. And David Arquette pins Eric Bischoff to win the WCW World Heavyweight Championship. We are going to cover this episode at some point in time in the future. Yeah, this episode, not on the network. Well, I know that when he won it, he won it to the Ready to Rumble theme song, which was a cover of We're Not Gonna Take It by Biff Naked, which was a cover of uh, Twisted Sister. But yes, dumbass, babyface champion DDP celebrated someone, his friend winning his title from someone else. Yeah. So the following Nitro, David Arquette said, I'm gonna make everything right. I'm gonna vacate the title. And uh, that way Jarrett and DDP can fight for it at Slamboree. Bischoff said, oh no, you are the champion. You're required to be there. So now you are going to be in the triple cage match, which is also the main event of Ready to Rumble. It is. And so now it's going to be featured in Slamboree 2000 from the Kemper Arena. Oh, man. Yes, which, uh, unfortunate. Uh, the big spot they wanted to do. This arena we cannot get away from, unfortunately, due to other stuff that had happened just a year prior to this. Yes, Over the Edge 99, Owen Hart. Which is an episode we will never cover ever. For fans who ask, who message us, hey, we'd love to get your opinion, we will never 
cover that. They did a title change that night, even after that. So stupid. If you're wondering what the WWF was up to during this time. (laughs) Now, they just had that terrible, horrible, awful WrestleMania 2000. Then they had Backlash, where... You know how I mentioned how The Rock should have won at WrestleMania? Well, he won at Backlash instead, which is really where you want to put The Rock over, is at Backlash. So he won the title, but then he lost it uh, in May in an Iron Man match with Triple H. This is... The famous 6-5 finish with uh, Triple H with Stephanie defeating The Rock. And The Rock would go off to make Scorpion King, I think, was made right after this. So he was off TV for a while. That was where the WWF was at. And they ran... So they ran Judgment Day. Two weeks after this pay-per-view, they drew 16,827 to Freedom Hall in Louisville, Kentucky. I want to specify Judgment Day is also when, I believe, when Biker Taker showed up. By the way, I could be wrong on that. Yeah, in the Iron Man match, With the he big cost... trench coat rode rode down the bike, and everybody went, "Holy shit, Taker's back!" So, so they drew nearly seventeen thousand to Louisville, Kentucky. Let's see, WCW Slambury two weeks earlier, Slambury two thousand drew seven thousand one hundred sixty-five to the Kemper Arena, which holds uh, roughly twenty thousand people. Yeah. So less than half. Is, full. is Just out of curiosity, is the Kemper Arena still active? It has no current tenant. It has no body that plays in it regularly. But it is still open. And it's actually on the U.S. National Register of Historic Places. Uh, so, so it's never getting torn down. <laughs> it's going to be hard to get it torn down. Yeah, it's capacity 19,500. Uh, so yeah, WCW drawing... Way, way less than half. I think we should, we should book. It opened uh, in 1974. We so. should book an indie show there. We can call it All Out. All Out, yeah. Which I'm sure will actually be done by the time this. <laughs> Some indie show will be All Out. Uh, you went to All In. Fuck you. We're all out. <laughs> well, we start out with a promo that recaps the New Blood versus Millionaires Club. You are looking live outside of the Kemper Arena in Kansas City as Slamboree, sponsored by Western Union, is off and running Wednesday night. It was the coming together of the Millionaires Club, their biggest offensive since the insurgence of the New Blood. And tonight, the bus is here, and here they come, together, unified, but look who's looking in the dressing room looking on. Well, guys, they started the war Wednesday, we're going to finish it Look out, Kidman. Look out, there's the big man. Oh, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, just wiped out the Nature Boy with a bat. You have been franchised, Nature Boy. This is personal. I am the Batman. Promise me, you interfered in that. I get you for five minutes. I am going to show you what it's like to walk around with your humanity stripped, just like I have, Sting. Right now, I feel like rump and stuff and graveyard Come to my world, boy. The hunter has become the hunted. Hulk Hogan is the biggest egomaniac of them all. Who in the f- do you think you are, kid? Free Market Champion 3 and Hulk Hogan 0. Do you hear it? It's the sound of your career coming to an end, brother. It's Terry Bollea on a mission is what it is here. 
Guess who the special referee is? Moi! Me! Brother! David Arquette won the world title! I don't deserve to be the world heavyweight champion. No kidding. I'm gonna put it up for grabs to DDP and Jeff Jarrett in the three cage match. Who died made your commissioner, Slappy? Your skinny little rear end is gonna be in the ring. It's a triple dance. And now, Western Union, the fastest witness in money worldwide, presents Slamboree. We show thunder highlights. We talk about how tonight a winner will get a title shot at Great American Bash. Uh, oh, on Thunder, there's a battle royal where a winner gets a title shot at Great American Bash, and it's Macho Man's final appearance in WCW. He runs in. He's not a part of the match, but he runs in and for some reason assists Ric Flair to win this battle royal on Thunder. Would he cash in at Great American Bash? No. He got his title shot on a Nitro, a random Nitro. So And won, by the way. He did win. He was later stripped, and then Kevin Nash won, and then gave it back to him. Because the WCW heavyweight title in the year 2000 flipped like 25 times. It did. Flair won it like three times in one year. Yeah, 16, like three of his 16 are from the year 2000. Yeah, like, yeah. The bus of the Millionaires Club. You'd think the Millionaires would be arriving in limos each, but no, they're all on the Greyhound together. I guess they're all cheap. The Millionaires Club arrive as the New Blood watch on now. The New Blood is watching on monitors backstage. That's a lot like you and me. I'm a millionaire. I'm part of the Millionaires Club. But you're very cheap. You're a New Blood. You're, you know, yeah. You're, you. (laughs) Despite me being older. (laughs) Yeah. You're a New Blood. You try to, try to rip off on my success, man. That's what it is. Now, uh, if you're wondering where our friend Bill Goldberg is, this is actually during the time when he smashed his hand in the authentic glass. Dude. I was wrong. We did a pay-per-view a long time ago in 99 where I thought that he had sat out in 99. No, this is when he was out and would not be coming back until July. So. he demanded. It was his forearm that he... Yes. He, did he break it? Or no, he, he sliced it. He sliced it, but it got infected. Yes, he almost lost he his almost, arm. He almost... It got infected with gangrene and shit. What he was... Okay, if you He know, refused to use work glass. Yeah, and so if you haven't seen it, he goes and he's... Bashing a limo. Well, somebody ran from him. I can't remember who the hell it was. Was it Sid or it was Nash or somebody? Probably Bam Bam, maybe. Somebody. So he runs and he's forearming the shit out of this. Closed fist forearming, takes out the driver window. He's just working his way down the driver's side of this limo. Just taking out, and he hits to the, like, towards the back there, and he's pounding away, and the thing's not breaking. And you see him look down, and blood just starts pouring off of his arm. But he just keeps going till the scene's over. Oh, no, yeah. When he, he goes back to smash the hood, and that's when you see the blood going everywhere, and yeah. it's like... Dude, just use fucking worked glass. Yeah. This is the same guy, by the way, in his last WWE run, he bloodied his own head because he bashed it against a door before he comes out to the ring. And people said, why did you have a bloody head? He said, I always did that before I came out to the ring. So if you ever notice blood on Goldberg's forehead, it's because he to get fired up, he would bash his own skull in the door. So on top of doing that, this guy wants to say... No, I don't want worked glass, you know. I want to just smash my hand through glass. Well, when you do that, I mean, what do you think's going to happen? I mean, yeah. this can only... I can't... This really hurt the company. I mean... You, bad. Bad. Because, because this was their guy. Oh, yeah. And this is literally what led into where at the start of 99, they were still kind of relevant. They could have pulled that joystick up 
before they d- nosedived, he got hurt, man, and that was it. I yeah. really think that was a major, major Well, and blow. when he when he came back, Patrick... They didn't know what the fuck to do with him. They made him a heel. They made their biggest baby face, their biggest merch seller. They said, why don't, why don't we turn you a heel? That's a good business decision. Yeah. So that's where Goldberg is, so you won't find out whether he's in the Millionaire's Club or in the New Blood for a few more weeks. And they do it in the sloppiest way, by the way. All he does is spear Nash. That's yeah. all he does to turn. And then a few weeks later, he turns, basically for no reason, back to a face. Because they realized how bad they fucked up. One question I asked when we see the New Blood watching as the Millionaire's Club arrive is, why is Shane Douglas in the New Blood? Now, okay, this is the guy that threw the belt down in ECW in 93. And here he is, New Blood for some reason. Why is he New Blood? Because Ric Flair has kept him down, damn it. God, it's his lifelong gripe. It's a one-sided feud. It's like me just screaming at the wall all day if I just said... And it's not one-sided, however it flat out is, Flair hates him. They've packed things, things up, up yeah. but at this, at this particular point in time... There no, was... I think he doesn't appreciate it, but I think he doesn't care. O- on screen, it, it appears to be a one-sided feud because this other guy, right. Shane was in ECW this whole time screaming about Ric Flair... So it's not like Ric Flair's going to go on WCW and acknowledge, like, oh, you're cutting promos Well, it's like when building up to this pay-per-view. I love how Flair gets in the ring. He's like, I'm going to kick your ECW oh, yeah, yeah, ass. Yeah. You know, it's just hilarious. It's just funny to see how they split the New Blood and Millionaire's Club. And also, the fact that Chris Canyon is somehow linked to the Millionaire's Club. This man did not have a million dollars. Like, no one would think, like, oh, that guy... Millionaire. You know why? And blood, blood is thicker than water. Money is thicker than water, apparently, though, because he was with Paige. So well. we get highlights from all the feuds in a nice recap piece. Now I do note that this was good because I actually felt like I had a good sense of what was going on, which most of these WCW pay per views they don't do. I have no clue yeah. what is going on. Western Union presents Slamboree. It's the fastest way to send money, of course, worldwide. Still is to this day. Scott Hudson, Tony, and Mark Madden have the call tonight. God, we got fucking Mark Madden. We start out with a cruiserweight title match featuring cruiserweights, question mark, as we have Chris Candido out with Tammy to take on the artist with Paisley. Chris Candido. (laughs) You will never find another person that will come to his defense more than me. I, I love Chris Candido. Oh, he's an awesome wrestler. Very talented, very underrated. This was shit. But this was on the artist. 100% on yeah. the artist. He really, this match, <laughs> we're covering the match before we get into yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs> but here's why, because I've, I've bit my tongue for this one. Prince Ikea. Holy he shit. He was so bad in this match. Oh, my God. Like, you see Candido really, you know, being patient with him. Yes. Like, come on, man. Come on, man. Imagine if this was like Shawn Michaels' 96 working with oh, Prince Oh, he fucking lost his shit. But you see Candido being patient with yes. him. Like, come on, dude. You he know? tried his very best his to get anything out of this guy. Just to get something. And he couldn't get shit out of Iakea. And it was so but, and it, like I said, it wasn't on him, but it was so... It's Prince Ikea. Dude, yeah. this is worst match of the night. <laughs> right this off. is worst match of the night, and we're straight up just and, getting and started. And it's the cruiserweights, where you think like, oh... They're going to fly. They're going to soar. This is going to be match of the night. Yeah, yeah. No, this is worst match of the night. By the way, we still have Terry Funk... And Norman Smiley to come. With Ralphus, With yeah. Ralphus, by the way. But proceed. I wanted to mention before the match starts, 
Chris Candido would leave by the summertime from WCW. This was a very short stop. He went from ECW to WCW and then to New Japan. Yeah. And then would... Sonny Sonny went with him. Yeah. Came East Inch. Yeah. And also, uh, Prince Ikea didn't make it past the year 2000 in WCW, where they paid, you know... Uh, Repo Man until 1999. Prince Iakea couldn't hold down a job, so both of these guys were gone before the company folded. And uh, well, that Chris wasn't Can- that wasn't for Candido's. Like, it wasn't from the lack of his performance. It's because he realized he yeah. could make better money and do a lot better. Oh, I know, absolutely. If I after this match yeah. was probably when he said. I think I'm going to leave. Yeah, I got to get the hell out of here. Yes, this is a disaster. So Chris Candido's out with Tammy. She cuts the Val Venus promo where she says, This is the show me state, and I'll show you mine, and you owe me one. And Tammy not looking too good here. Uh, Really? I thought she looked beautiful. (laughs) She... She looks... Tammy, sweetheart, I love you to death. You look beautiful all the time. Oh, yes. Just so you know. Mark Madden wants to give her money because he feels like she is a prostitute. You talk about... Mark Madden is a worse Jerry Lawler than... <laughs> you talk... The character of Mark Madden, I want to be specific. You talk about, like, Heenan. Bobby Heenan saying some pretty racial, like, womanizing type of stuff. Like, you know, women need to be in the kitchen, that kind of... Mark Madden takes that shit to a whole new level. I mean, he doesn't hey, sugarcoat it at no, all. No, he takes that shit to a whole new level. No, he just says, "I'll, I'll put some money in your g-string, Tammy, or whatever." Yeah, like, yeah. I mean, geez, dude, <laughs> like, calm down. <laughs> this is not PG friendly for kids, ladies yes. and gentlemen. Yeah, WCW. Imagine that. For some reason, trying to do the attitude thing, but in the worst way. <laughs> Viagra on a pole. <sighs> that was still to come. I think the uh, the artist. Uh, is out with Paisley. They actually came out to a Prince, a Purple Rain cover that Jimmy Hart composed, but it was dubbed on the network, so you don't get to see that. Paisley? Yes, Mrs. T. Mrs. Mrs. Booker T. Yes, well, he was still married to his first wife, Lovestia, at this point. He was. And they were both on TV at the same time. It's kind of weird. Mark Madden calls Tammy and Paisley hot tramps. Wonderful. This... Now, despite the New Blood being up against the Millionaire's Club, uh, the Millionaire's Club doesn't include any cruiserweights, so this is New Blood versus New Blood. So we already have problems with this group. Candido should be a Millionaire's Club. They should have had at least one cruiserweight. Or one in their eyes, quotation mark, cruiserweight. Because they didn't have any. Shane, I mean, but Candido's... You know, he has Sonny by his side, who's coming from from WWE. So you right. would think, like money wise, they're they're the and he's rich already couple. done he's already done the body Donna's thing. Yeah. He's already had the ECW run. He really he's established. He really yeah. should have been in the Millionaires Club. Candido should have been presented as a face in whatever way. Oh yeah, and they had him doing like heelish. Well, stuff. they were both here. This was a heel versus heel New Blood match. Yeah. So it's how can any bad you booking? Yeah, you can't cheer for anybody. Candido and Tammy kiss before his big match. The artist wrestles in dress pants and a shirt. So, uh, yeah. Dude, this is like some poofy ass fucking shirt. Like, it's not the, it's not the Seinfeld poofy shirt. It's, it's a regular dress white shirt. But it does, it reminds me of, uh, Big Boss Man. How his shirt would come undone as the match went on. That's what Mr. Artist, Prince Iakea, Taff Cappy, as you would call him, the artist formerly known as Prince Iakea. I didn't know that was an acronym because I heard other people calling him Taff Cappy. I thought that was his name. Yeah. Uh, but Taff Cappy is the artist formerly known as Prince Iakea. Taff so, Cappy. Taff Cappy. 
This is Taff Cappy here. Well, what the Taff Cappy is wrong with you? Candido throws Artist into the rail. Candido goes to the top turnbuckle. Artist sort of runs into him as he jumps down, so they just smack into each other as the Artist is instantly fucking this match up. Instantly. Candido goes and grabs a chair, and they go to the elevated walkway, a return from the early 90s WCW. You were thrilled. I you was were... pumped. I was like, holy shit, because I love this. You like the elevated walkway. I do. A lot of people don't, but I do. He wants to pile drive Artist on a chair, but Prince Ikea escapes. Artist hits a standing Hurricane Rana, but can't capitalize. Candido is frustrated with how badly the Artist is wrestling, so he slings him to the outside to try to figure out what to do with this guy. Artist then suplexes Candido to the floor. Candido low blows Artist directly in front of the ref. Apparently tonight, there is no DQ in any match. It doesn't matter. You're just there to count the three. Artist almost breaks Candido's neck with a sloppy powerbomb. I mean, he almost kills this guy. Candido puts Artist on the turnbuckle and totally misses. Fucks up a Frankensteiner. So he just goes crashing to the mat. Artist tries a diving schoolboy. And this is the worst move of the night because fucking indie geek artist. So he tries this diving schoolboy. He totally misses Candido. And instead of just getting up and trying something else, Candido has to then back up so that artists can roll him up. We're talking about backs up half the fucking ring like backs up. So he can roll... For a two count. Into a two, yeah. You suck chance for the artist. They were right. For once, I agree with the crowd. Artist hits a super Samoan drop to Candido, but Tammy distracts the ref. Paisley then attacks Tammy for a catfight on the ramp. Tammy wallops the artist and Paisley with a chair, and Candido gets the one, two, three, wait, nope, the ref fucked up. So on top of the artist fucking this matchup, we have the ref fucking up. As oh, I love Tammy getting in the ring to celebrate. Like, yeah, it's uh, it's done because it didn't change the fucking outcome of the match. Just go with it. Go it, with it. It saved you a minute of pay per view time. Yeah. Just be done. Let's move on. No, no, no. This ref is Patrick Young. He's like, no, no, no. That was a two. That was a two. I mean, they even hit his music. Yeah. I mean, even the. Yeah. The announcers, too, were like, that's it. It's hitting, over. Hitting him with a chair, in my eyes, is a lot better finish. And, uh, well, than like, what they did, yeah. Well, then you can at least come back and say, wait, no, I got fucking screwed or something. You can use this coming out of the pay-per-view if need be. Yeah. Instead of <laughs> restart. Hey, Tammy. That's the- not what I was told how we ended this match, so we got to go back. Restart. So you got to get back out of the ring, Tammy. Yeah. Like, so we restart this match. Everyone get out. So Candido can just hit a pile driver, and then Candido hits a flying headbutt, so he injures himself further for no reason, even though he had won the match already. Hits a flying headbutt and gets a three count, and mercifully ends this match with the artist. Okay, so how 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 identical was that headbutt to Chris Benoit's? Because it looked, to me... It, it was nasty, yeah. To, to me, it looked almost identical. It was insane. No, they weren't working headbutts, no. flying headbutts. This was no, it was insane. If you know any, I mean, a lot of wrestlers that did the flying headbutt, they're no longer with us. I mean, well, I mean, and that's exactly what uh, Harley Race will tell you is like he's that's why he's in a wheelchair today is because of doing so many of them. It's just you know jamming his neck and his dynamite. Kid. Dynamite kid, same thing. Dynamite, yeah. 
Because, I mean, he is. He's confined to a wheelchair now, Fo. Who, who's still alive, but we don't hear anything out of. He lives over in England, and government yeah. housing was yeah. the last I heard. That's true, yeah. But I that's been years ago, so... This was so bad all the way around, and I felt bad for Candido. I also felt bad for all the cruiserweights who weren't involved in this match. They still had a plethora of great cruiserweight wrestlers on their roster that could have been in this spot. But for some reason, Taff Cappy, go in there. And Candido... I love you, buddy, but you were not a cruiserweight. I don't, you know, I'm not sure they enforced the 205 weight limit, but this dude... The fact that he was the cruiserweight champion, too, like... Yes. That means he had won the title in the cruiserweight division. This wasn't a one... This wasn't a Disco Inferno They had already, But they had already sullied this belt because Oklahoma had already been the cruiserweight champion... I believe that Medusa had been the cruiserweight champion. Oh, I can believe that, because Medusa's like what? She makes the weight limit 110 at 110 pounds, if that? I mean, come on. Also, by the way, this cruiserweight belt, the physical belt, is hideous. Oh, this they ruined one? one? Yeah, they ruined... Oh, it's uglier than hell. Okay, they ruined yeah. that beautiful belt that they had. Oh, yeah. It's uglier than hell. However, this next belt, <laughs> I like... It was a good-looking belt. I actually I put it up there neck and neck with the hardcore title of WWE. It's a it's a cool-looking belt. Before we get to our next match, Tammy and Paisley, of course, catfight again after Paisley hits a terrible-looking low blow to Candido. I mean, she has to turn Candido around and then just does not want to get anywhere near his junk. So Artis grabs Tammy and Artis and Paisley strip Tammy down because she's a dirty skank. Strip her down. Candido, he was sort of playing a uh, Mark Marrow character where he didn't want Tammy to strip, so he covered her up and they, they left together. This whole match, I blame all of it on Taff Cappy, the artist. Because <laughs> like in 96, 95, uh, he was a TV champion, and I actually thought, like, honestly, he sort of... I think WCW wanted him to be The Rock. They saw... Because he's from Hawaii. He has a similar kind of look oh, yeah. starting out. But I read, actually, that the reason that he got pushed down the card and held back is because he was, like, apparently banging someone's wife from Creative and someone on the team. So <laughs> so that's why he started doing all these jobber matches. And then when it's time to give him a push again, he doesn't know how to wrestle anymore because he's been jobbing for two years so yeah. I just found that interesting he has a son that wrestles now and they uh god I hope his son's better than he is <laughs> the announcers explain who, who is his son just curious now Nick Primo is uh name his, sounds familiar not the Primo of Epico and Primo fan no. not, not of the Carlito yes family the announcers explain the triple cage match for us it's 42 feet in the air Patrick oh man dude I, you know what I want this cage back I like this idea well, hopefully they have it, because they only used it twice. I mean, well, if it's the same one from the movie, they used it three times, but I don't think it's the same one from the I movie. I thought they used it more than that. Nope, they only used it for this and Russo's Revenge. So, only two things. This probably thousands and thousands of dollar cage, they used it twice. Typical WCW. To criticize them for building this cage, I just watched an episode of Nitro where Sting lowered himself from a helicopter. So this is not a company that, you know... They weren't afraid to be like, here you go, take the money. That's the one thing. (laughs) Look, no matter what anyone says about WCW, they never cared 
to throw money at stupid gimmick matches. To see if even, it work. Right. Yeah. Because we watched that Battle Dome, that Thunderdome match, yeah. with the electricity and as corny and cheesy and stupid as it turned out But it's out entertaining, to be. and it stands out well, in the history of wrestling. They took a chance. Yeah. And that's all you can do. And they constantly took chances. So that's the one thing I can't fault them for. Is because because in, in I go big or go home. If there's something I'm going to do, I do full blast all the way, or I don't do it. And so I can respect that over any other, you know, person out there. Yeah, they failed a lot, but they took the chance. Yeah. Either roll the dice and see what's going to happen, or get out of the game, in my opinion. And so, yeah, I'm all for it. We get a sizzle reel of Terry Funk getting the shit beat out of him. Because he is Millionaire's Club and fuck the Millionaire's Club. <laughs> and he's got the hardcore title. So they just show him getting beat up. So now it's time for the hardcore title match. It's screaming Norman Smiley taking on Terry Funk. Of course this match starts. With a mystery partner, by the way. Norman Smiley yes. has a mystery part, a mystery tag partner. Even though it's not tag, it's... Of course, for the 7,000 alleged people in attendance. This, this match is going to start... Backstage. Backstage. Not only backstage, but in a toilet. In the shitter. Yeah, that's yeah. right. Uh, Terry thinks Norman's in the shitter. Norman wasn't in the shitter. Instead, he sneak attacks him with a fire extinguisher. They brawl in the back near the soda machine and uh, take some garbage can shots to one another. Well, I love how his tag partner here, his uh, his anonymous partner, is like hitting the lightest. Yeah, oh, he's so, yeah. The lightest freaking trash can shots I have ever seen in my life. I, I know kindergartners that hit harder. Norman's mystery tag team partner is a fat man in catcher's gear. We'll find out who he is later on. You're going to love it. Norman does a big wiggle as he's destroying Funk with chair and garbage can shots. They battle near the catering area. They destroy Mean Gene's interview set. Hey, man, now you're getting into the budget. Yeah. <laughs> the fat catcher throws boxes at Terry, who has to sell cardboard boxes. Taped, empty cardboard boxes. Oh, brutal. Devastating. So Terry responds by throwing chairs at him. <laughs> so, uh, not exactly fair, but he did have catcher's gear on. Well, in so. his defense, the, the tag partner probably, he was so weak, he couldn't lift I mean, this was not a muscular man at all. <laughs> they fight on a pile of astroturf, probably assembled in Dalton, Georgia. They brawl through all sorts of shit. Terry smatters him with a chair shot to the head and scoop slams him on a garbage can. The fat catcher, though, hits the lightest garbage can shots ever to Terry Funk. But this allows Norman to track Terry down. Terry drags the fat man towards the ring... He then smacks him with a chair on the ramp. The catcher's mask falls off, and it's Ralphus, complete with his ass crack, which becomes the star of this match. Absolutely. Terry holds him over the ropes and shows the crowd Ralphus's whole ass. Like, I mean, his whole asshole was hanging out here. Smiley then comes back to the ring. Tony can't help but start laughing at this ridiculous Ralphus. You know what's bad, though, is there was times that backstage, Terry had... The offensive and Ralphus didn't do shit. No, he just stood there. I mean, Terry's pinning him, and Ralphus is standing over and like, "Do I kick you to break up the pin? Do I? What do I do?" It was very entertaining and hilarious. Smiley smashes Terry with a chair. Smiley dumps a ladder on Terry from the second rope, blasts him with a chair shot. Smiley does the big wiggle on Funk and smacks him with a chair. Ralphus wants to wiggle now on Funk. This was right out of Deliverance as they 
do the weird doggy style thing. Ugh. The it's, big wiggle! It's creepy, man. Terry hits him with a chair, though. Mark Madden begs Terry to kill Ralphus and Smiley, which would have been a really weird end to this match <laughs> to see a double murder take place, but that's what Mark Madden wanted. Madden's a weird individual. Terry decks Ralphus with a chair and rolls up Smiley, and Funk keeps the belt. So there you go. Smiley and Ralphus dance even after they just lost. And Smiley kisses Ralphus on the cheek. So there you go. Match Hard- of the night. Hardcore. Match of the night. Mean Gene finds David Arquette. Why didn't you show up with the Millionaire's Club? He says, I got my own money. I don't need to arrive with them. David says he's scared of the match coming up tonight. Don't let this smile fool you, Mean Gene. Yeah. David Arquette, I've been reading all of the publications. Your wife, Courtney Cox, a million dollars an episode. How come you didn't arrive with the Millionaire's Club? Listen here, Mean Gene, I, I got a million dollars of my own money. You see what I'm saying? I got it on my own merit, so I don't need my wife's money. That's first off. And second off, you know, Diamond Dallas Page doesn't think, you know, I'm a sports entertainer, so, so I, I had to come alone. But, you know, whatever. I'll just go out there. I'm into this. I'm into it, baby. You know, I'm very curious. You're going to be involved in a very dangerous match tonight for the WCW World Heavyweight title in a triple cage. Your thoughts? I'm scared, G. I'm very scared. I mean, don't let the smile fool you. So there you go. Seeds of a uh, heel turn coming. Shocker of the night next. The perfect one, Sean Stasiak. Dr. Stasiak. Wow. Oh my goodness, Dr. G- Stasiak is jacked. Gimmick infringement, holy shit. With his theme song, yeah, the Mr. Perfect's theme song. We have we have tons of gimmick Mr. Perfect, WWF's Mr. Perfect right. gimmick, as well as the perfect name being used, as well the as perfect one. the music, the perfect one, and Kurt Henning all in the same match. So, ladies and gentlemen, I give to you the perfect match. <laughs> He's going to take on Kurt Henning, of course, who comes out to a terrible WCW theme. It's not dubbed. It just sucks. Yeah, this was pretty bad. And you could tell by this point, Kurt had checked out. Like, Well, I think he saw that he was going to do the job, and he agreed to it. And so he was like, I'm not going to... See, I don't think that. I just really think that he had saw that the company was going to shit and just was... Henning hits a nice scoop slam to Stasiak, and Stasiak has to regroup. Stasiak hits a crossbody for a near fall, a sunset flip for two. Henning just smacks Stasiak to a pop from the crowd. The Misfits in action, the MIA, are ringside for this match for some reason. Stasiak takes Henning outside and chokes him with the camera cable in front of the ref. Oh, who cares? That's fine. Stasiak hits the top turnbuckle clothesline when they get back in the ring for a near fall. They brawl on the ramp where Henning wants to slam Stasiak, but instead, oh, he hurts his back and he can't do it. So Stasiak locks in a sleeper. The crowd cheer for Henning to fire back up. A funny scene, a plant in the crowd holds up Positively Page, the DDP book, as we cut away for a second. Henning hulks up from the sleeper. Stasiak misses a top turnbuckle cross. Henning then chops the shit out of Stasiak. Back body drops him, clotheslines him. Henning delivers relentless right hands to Stasiak before Stasiak wakes up, slingshots him into the turnbuckle, hits the perfect plex on Kurt Henning, and wins. Cleanly. Clean as a whistle. Doing the perfect plex, a shitty looking perfect plex. I mean, remember the arch that Mr. Perfect used to get on this thing? It was uh, not quite as pretty. 
beats him clean as a whistle. The Millionaire's Club didn't come out to interfere, to help. Uh, the New Blood didn't have to help. Nope. That's just it. I said it was nice of Kurt to put him over. Especially getting beat with your own move. I know a lot of wrestlers would say, no, that yeah. won't be happening. Right. Yeah, I couldn't... We go backstage with Vince Russo, and he's like, two in a row, baby, come on! Let's see, how is it two in a row? Because... Yeah, Norman I, Smiley I've... just got beat. And the first match was New Blood v. New Blood. Right. So I'm confused. How this that... was just aired. I think this might have just been aired out of place. I don't know. The U.S. title match is next. Hugh Morris comes out. This is his infamous promo where he changes his name to Huge Erection. Huge Erection. From here on in, I never want to be called Hugh Morris again. Not from you. Not from you. That name was given to me by Eric Bischoff, and it was a brain fart. It was to make me look stupid. From now on, you address me by my real name. Hugh G. Rection. Captain Rection for short. Which Turner standards and practices would make him change it to Captain Rection because you can't just be a huge boner. You have to be just a Captain Boner. <laughs> Here comes Big Papa Pump. <laughs> you can't be just a huge erection <laughs> boner. You have to be just a captain boner. Captain boner. That's fine. <laughs> why is that fine? I don't know why they made him do that, but that's what they did. They said you can't be huge erection. You have to be captain erection. And they just said okay. Okay. The Misfits in action, by the way. This was the group that, uh, of course, uh, Van Hammer was in. And he wanted... He was originally going to be private stash but he complained that his military ranking his fake military ranking was too low so he was major stash instead so they had major stash and major guns uh he didn't want to be outranked in the misfits in action so there you go (laughs) wait a minute he actually complained about being a private the joke was private stash like he's got a secret stash of weed or something yeah. and he said I don't want to be a private that's too low ranked I want to be higher up in the in our fake military the misfits in action so they said you can be major stash instead and he didn't have a mustache so it wasn't like he had a whopper mustache so he went to be major stash so instead. what did it become private guns no oh, they were just two majors two majors yeah oh, okay G.I. Bro. <laughs> Bro didn't even have a ranking. He was just G.I. Here comes Big Papa Pump with his freaks, Medasia and Shakira. Steiner. Now, I note here, next to Randy Orton, Steiner is the the wrestler most distracted by crowds. He does not... Some people can tune it out. A lot of wrestlers, they don't even hear the crowd. He, there's not a hateful fan that he passes by. He no. will not get in your Steiner place. and Randy Orton together... These guys hear everything, yeah. they see everything, yeah. and Steiner especially will get right up in your face, flip you the finger, uh, fucking tell your wife she's a cunt. I mean, he is just terrible. He is awful when he, it comes to fans. So You're not lying. And so he comes, and look, if you're going to be a heel, that's, man, he plays... Oh, he plays it to a T. If he could have been Big Papa Pump in like 92 when he was like still like so athletic and could go... I think he could have been a big 
big star. Like, I mean, he was a big star, but, like, especially when they lost Flair, like, he could have been definite top heel, like, yeah. early on. I mean, because it was all there. Like, yeah. Steiner tees off on Hugh Morris, because, of course, it's Hugh Morris, so, of course, he's going to beat the shit out of this guy. Dude. Steiner beats him up, regroups with the freaks, and jobs with the crowd some more. Morris hits a spinning heel kick, that's right, for two count on Steiner. A sidewalk slam to Steiner, and Morris hits an elbow drop from the top turnbuckle. So the girls interfere as he goes for no laughing matter, but he gets stuck in the tree of woe, and Steiner then wrenches on his neck. Steiner then jaws with the misfits in action. Steiner line to Morris, then an elbow drop for two. A T-bone suplex to Morris, followed by his push-ups. The Freaks cheap shot Hugh Morris. A belly-to-belly on Morris for a two-count, but Steiner doesn't like the count, and Steiner says to the ref, You suck! Steiner puts Morris in a bear hug and then throws him in an overhead belly-to-belly. Steiner needs to go jaw with the crowd again. Morris big boots Steiner as he was charging at Morris in the corner. Morris splashes Steiner twice, goes for a third, but gets Steiner-lined. Double underhook botch bomb is what I call it as Steiner hits one to Morris. A tombstone attempt from Scott Steiner, but Morris reverses it into one of his own. He goes for no laughing matter again, but the girls run in. They're kind of scared to go for it at first. Well, here's... I'd be scared, too, with what the outcome's about to be. So he misses it as Steiner's rolling out of the way because Steiner rolls away too late and Steiner gets kicked in the head. Dude, he punts. I'm talking about really the shin of his boot slams into the back of the neck or the back of the head and the upper part of the neck of Scott Steiner. And I literally thought he broke his neck. It was ugly. It was from the girls missing their cue. It was ugly. Yes. Holy shit, it was ugly. Steiner, not happy with this. Of course, no sells the kick to the back of the head. Steiner no, recliner. But you see him stand up and he like wobbles back in. He was, it really knocked him loopy. Steiner recliner and the match is over. Steiner keeps it locked in until the MIA jumped the rail and tried to help. But R&B security, Russo and Bischoff security, stopped the misfits. Then G.I. Bro runs out and attacks Steiner with a Harlem sidekick as uh, Booker T was well on his way to joining the Misfits for about a week. It was a very short run with the Misfits. G.I. Bro. G.I. Bro. Which was the name he used before WCW. Really? I believe, yes. Uh, back in the Houston territory. See, I remember him the uh, as a kid. I noticed them, him and Stevie as the Ebony experience yeah that was uh an early wcw character might have been or texas wrestling was gi bro so it was a name that he had actually used before right but yeah the ebony experience when which they, is a cool name actually it was badass like and it was a cool name and it was the their gimmick and the way they carried themselves they were cool and you could see them even then they were going to be something big and so well one of them was one of them sucked. oh man stevie's don't Bullshit. Stevie's awesome, dude. Stevie Ray is as cool as hell. Gene is with Chris Canyon, and his set, his interview set, has magically been rebuilt. Canyon says he backs Paige. He's a brother. Blood is thicker than water. Even though he's in the Millionaires Club, so he should have said money is thicker than water, like I told you earlier. Boy, this to me, this was match of the night. Mike Awesome came out next, and boy, dude. you talk about Roydy Magoo. This dude was fucking jacked. You say match of the night, and I'm thinking, holy shit. He just took... This was rough, man. There was a powerbomb in this match. 
that literally made me cringe. Oh, yeah. Like, I it mean, made me fucking cringe. Well, because this was the worst possible combination of a guy that loves to give extreme bumps and a guy that loves to take them. Oh, yeah. A guy that'll just take anything. He'll take anything. And which this is you will, a bad combination. Which you will see yet again later on this evening. But, holy shit, dude. Now, this is before Mike Awesome was the fat chick thriller. This is before he was that that 70s guy. He had just come over from ECW and started a feud with Kevin Nash, which went nowhere. And uh, so there was still some potential here. I mean, he was the ECW champion when they signed him. And here he is. So, Canyon is out to take on Awesome. Canyon takes him off his feet with a clothesline. There's a fight in the audience that distracts all the audience members, so no one's paying attention. Awesome, as he usually would do. You know how Undertaker would build up to that huge suicide dive that he does? You know, it's a big spot in the match. Mike Awesome would love to do this in the first five seconds of the match. So Mike Awesome, this big seven-foot-tall dude, hits a suicide dive to Chris Canyon like mere seconds into this match. Gets ECW chance going, so it's already, this match is already hot. Canyon runs Awesome into the post, they get back into the ring. Canyon hits a baseball slide to the back of Awesome. Canyon hits a somersaulting senton to Awesome off off the ring apron. They get back in the ring. Awesome hits a massive clothesline off the top rope. You think Kane gives a good top rope clothesline? No, no. Mike. I still, I, I, I said it. I'll say it till the day I die. Mike Awesome is extremely underrated. Both of these guys. Yeah, but I, it's that's so true. Sad. That's it's, so true. That is, I, not knocking Canyon. Yeah, we can't forget about Chris Canyon. Awesome chucks Canyon outside, and you know what this giant man needs? He needs a chair, of course. So Awesome gets a chair. Awesome gives Canyon some gut shots with a chair, and then wallops Canyon in the back with it. They brawl near the announcer's table, and Awesome hits a running chair shot that sends Canyon into the crowd. More ECW chants. He chokes Canyon with the camera cables. An Awesome springboard dive onto Canyon for a two count. Tony Schiavone says Kevin Nash has a better power bomb. This is, uh, them sucking Kevin Nash's dick here really pissed me off like like i think it's mark madden says you know awesome has the best power bomb in the business and shivani's like uh kevin nash has a better power bomb and then scott hudson's like yeah at best awesome is sloppy seconds like what the fuck you can't put this guy over for a second like yeah no i agree awesome delivers another blistering chair shot to canyon's back awesome wanted a top turnbuckle chair shot Luckily, Canyon crotches him, hits a neckbreaker to Awesome for a near fall, another neckbreaker to Awesome for a near fall. The crowd is now really into this match. A high cross is reversed into a near fall by Awesome. Canyon hits a shitty-looking F5. Brock Lesnar was somewhere taking notes as uh, Canyon hits an F5 to Mike Awesome for a two-count. Canyon tries a pile driver, but Awesome hits an Alabama slam that bounces Canyon's head off the mat. Okay, here's where it gets ugly. Yes. His head bounces like a fucking basketball, okay? At next point in time... Next move, yeah. <laughs> what do you got for me he next? He takes a big boot. Then Awesome picks him up and hits a powerbomb. Not a normal powerbomb, no. He picks him up and then doesn't release until he's halfway down and drops him on his neck. Drops him on his fucking neck. It was disgusting. It was literally stomach turning, face cringing, couldn't walk. I thought he was dead. Yeah, he folded him up in half. In half. On his neck. We're not... His his toes touched his ears. (laughs) Like, he flipped him in... It was the most disgusting thing I've ever seen. 
But, you know, awesome. That would be a great place to end the match. No, no, no. <laughs> I agree. No, yeah. no. We have to keep going. So Awesome says, you know what? That wasn't enough. But you know what? Dick, Dick Awesome. Dick Awesome wasn't like, hey, you all right? No, he goes outside. Doesn't yeah. even think twice. Oh, he's going to take the next bump. Concrete. He's yeah. going to take the next bump. Doesn't even check on him before he's like, no. hey, you want to you wanna finish it now? Or do you want to, you know, you think you can... Yeah. Like, no. He, he'll, he's taking this fucking bump. So he goes out and he starts peeling back. The ring mats, the yeah. Ring Some mat. exposed concrete for this man who just broke his neck. So Canyon, amazingly, is alive. He tries to knock Awesome to the concrete, but Awesome hits a shoulder breaker. Awesome wants an awesome bomb to the concrete from the ring. Yeah. Thankfully, Canyon said no to this one. Pushed out because yeah. I was afraid Canyon was going to take it. So he pops out, but still eats a released German suplex. So it's like there's no escaping. Uh, awesome. Then He's rips, smacking that concrete. Awesome rips up some more ring mats for some more concrete. This time he wants to powerbomb Canyon onto the concrete, but Wolfpack music hits and Kevin Nash comes out. They brawl, Nash beats him down, beats down the entire new blood until the numbers game finally takes Nash down. And who comes out? Flair and Sting. That's right. Then R&B Security. Man, I really wanted to finish to this match. I mean, why couldn't Austin oh, yeah. have just Dude, won this, the match? I, in all seriousness, though, this is match of the night, in my opinion. No no bullshitting. I was joking with, with Norman and Terry Funk, but this is match of the night. These guys... They, it's scary. No, I mean, people shouldn't... You shouldn't wrestle like these guys wrestled. These wrestle. guys had an opportunity, and they're like, you know what? Fuck it. We're going to die, or we're going to steal a show. And they, they went out for it. And it was scary. It was scary to watch. Even though they knew it was a fuck finish. They it, put it was, a lot into dude, it. they yeah. put so much into it. And I wanted to see the conclusion. I, I did too. But we didn't get one. The Millionaire's Club clean out the new blood. And then we get up next. It's a battle of the Roydy Magoos. As it's Buff Bagwell and his calf implants taking on Lex Luger. He does. He has fake calves. This is somehow an angle about Russo wanting to get Liz naked. Because he owns Liz, apparently. She's his sex slave or something. And Why don't you wear something skanky? As he turns into Vince McMahon for some reason. And Sick and tired of hearing about the total package. You're calling out... Foot four, 270, 4% body fat, and slammery. Well, you got it, you little punk. I'll never have a body like you, Lex. And there's probably a lot of people in here that think I'll never have a woman like Liz on my arm. You don't own Liz's contract. WCW owns it. Liz is my property. Over my dead body. There's a fight going on. He's got Elizabeth. He's kidnapped her. You made a mistake, Russo. It is my time. The package. He is giving chase. They're going through the crowd. I'm a gentleman. You disgust me. Knock it off, Liz. Know your place. And he's still got Elizabeth tethered. Woo! Look at that, Russo. 10, 11, 12 security guys in front of the double package. He wants Elizabeth back in the worst way. Liz, Liz, you gotta see this. I got a surprise just for you. Hey, where you going? What are you wearing? Didn't you used to wear that with him? What what is that, a tablecloth? Maybe you should go change. How about that? You can't tell me what to do, okay? Oh, no? This says that I can. I own you, Liz, remember? Now go change that tablecloth, please. Put on something a little classy. Go around me. Wait till you see this. 
So Luger stands up for his lady. And so now Bagwell is somehow fighting, I guess, the surrogate for Russo because he wants Liz naked too. Everyone wants Liz naked. Luger says, no, you can't have 40-year-old Liz naked. I'm going to fight you. So it's Luger versus Buff Daddy. Luger chants. So he's only called the total package now, by the way. Yeah, you can't call him Lex Luger. Right. No. He's only total package. Luger chants as Buff tries to get some love from the crowd. Buff? 4% body fat, by the way. That's right. Well, I think it was 3% what? at the time. Four, by the, yeah, three and a half for Buff, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> Buff has to be that half percent better. Well, Buff, uh, Buff just wants to pose off against Luger. These guys just want to pose. These guys just want to do WBF stuff. Luger hits a delayed vertical suplex, followed by a pair of inverted atomic drops. Corner punches to Buff, followed by a clothesline. Buff gets thrown outside. Luger drops an axe handle smash. Buff hits a double arm DDT for a near fall like Cactus Jack when they get back in the ring. Buff walks in a headlock. Luger powers out of it. It's quickly stopped by a scoop slam and a splash. Buff locks in a camel clutch, but Luger starts firing up again. Luger gets out of it with a low blow to Buff Bagwell, which is apparently legal now. Liz comes out with a bat as Luger hits a bionic forearm to Buff, a power slam from Luger, and he calls for the torture rack, but Buff blindsides him. Buff takes a bat from Liz, nails Luger with it, swing neckbreaker. Buff sets up for the blockbuster, but Liz hits him with the bat. Luger racks Buff, and Luger wins this match. Yeah. And gets his woman back. Gets his happy ending for a minute. Well, not that happy ending. He gets a version of a happy ending as Luger and Liz recreate, you know, Macho and Liz from years earlier. They embrace. He's got his woman back. It's a happy ending. It's a natural conclusion. Wait, hold on. This is Vince Russo. It's never over. Chuck Palumbo, the complete package, who is wearing... Lex Luger's gear, I guess he stole it out of his bag, which is kind of creepy and gross that he tried on Luger's jocks before he ran out there. He comes out with the Lex Flexer, racks Lex Luger, and then Buff kidnaps Liz and Palumbo leaves. I I love how he's trying to be jacked like Lex, right? Dude, Buff. Not in the same universe. So, but Buff had to help him get him up. Like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> he's, like, he's, he's like, shit. I can't. Well, and Buff had to steal the woman yeah, too. I can't like, get him up for the rack. You gotta, you gotta give him, give him a push, damn it. Jump, motherfucker, jump. <laughs> what I like here too is in the last match we saw the Millionaires Club come out to save Canyon. Yeah. For Luger and his woman, no, nobody. nobody. <laughs> Fuck it. That's between you and them. Yeah. If a woman's involved, we're not getting yeah. in the middle of it. So there's a <laughs> stupid waste of time. Total Vince Russo booking. By the way, uh, Lex and Buff would end up being a tag team uh, towards the end of WCW. Yeah. To- they were totally buffed. Totally buff. Which is a great name. I actually like yes. that. Yes. It never. It will never, never top Vicious and Delicious, though. That Now that's a fucking tag team name. Shane is with Mean Gene. Shane, of course, the same promo he's been cutting since 1993. Bitches about Ric Flair. <laughs> he says, at the end of tonight, you know you, your ass got franchised, which sounds like your ass got, um, you know, how franchises work. So you, you pay a little bit to get your own Ric Flair ass, and you get some money back. It's like having owning your own Domino's franchise. Yeah. So. yeah. Shane Douglas. No, no, no. Get it right, Mean Gene. It's the franchise. Franchise Shane Douglas, nearly a decade of bad blood, comes to a boiling point tonight as you meet the nature boy, Ric Flair. Seven years. Seven long and torturous years of listening to the nature boy's BS. You heard it. I'm a limo riding, jet flying, son of a gun. 
to be the man. Woo, you got to beat the man. I'm the dirtiest player in the game. It goes on and on, and it ends tonight. I'm damn sick and tired of hearing it. Nature boy, look into my eyes. The window on a man's soul. Tonight, Nate, I retire your ass once and for all. And when the dust settles, you will know you just got your ass franchised. <laughs> so, funeral parlor music plays Douglas out for some reason. Shane cuts a promo again in the ring to Flair, but then Flair walks out. Flair, by the way, treating us like a true professional. Not in his tights. Fuck getting in my tights for this bullshit. I love how... I. <laughs> I thought it was strictly because of who he was wrestling, but they do elaborate that ever since the whole millionaire new blood thing, Flair has done nothing but wrestling street clothes because he looks at it as a street fight. Well, and sadly, this would go on until the end of WCW. He never wore tights again. Even in that last the match, last he ni- wore he, a t-shirt. Yeah, he wore his trunks and his t-shirt, yeah, in the last Nitro. Um, so, Flair walks out in street clothes and totally destroys Douglas in two sentences. Douglas took four minutes to try to cut down Flair and Flair totally cuts him down in two sentences like hold the ring down for me boy Charles Robinson of course yeah. and then he's like <laughs> I love that I've been around the world 13 times and talks about Kansas City talks about people he's wrestled and then finally oh, yeah. says I'm gonna kick your ECW ass yeah Kansas City you have the option to become the people that get the chance to see the legendary Rick Flair go down to a greater wrestler. He will fall to the franchise Shane Douglas and you idiots can't do a damn thing to stop it. <laughs> Two things I want to point out. Go ahead. Luger is probably too hurt to help Flair if the need arises for help, correct? Although one would think so after that massive wreck by Chuck Palumba. Russo says he's going to interfere, but he didn't say what direction it'd come from or what he'd be doing. Correct? Well, the rules of the match that were agreed upon is that Russo, if Russo interferes... But he's going to. He says he's going to. Which he says he does and will. Then Flair gets five minutes with Russo alone. Well, we'll just have to see how that unfolds here, because the fact is, Russo says, I want Flair as much as he wants me. Vince Russo made a cardinal mistake. He told enough about his game plan to get Flair a shot to prepare. He said he would interfere, so Flair's You know the deal, brother. When the world champion walks down the aisle, referee always lifts the rope, boy. You're Woo! not the world champion. You wouldn't know anything about that. But in this town, where guys like handsome Harley Race, woo! And an HMR Rick Flair have worked hard to preserve the great sport of professional wrestling. A dipshit like you've got nothing to say about it, buddy. Yikes! Woo! It was a Tonight, dis- brother, it's just like 1981. I'm gonna style and profile. I'm gonna walk the aisle, and I'm gonna kick your ECW ass, pal. Douglas back body drops Flair. Corner punches, gets a thumb in the eye for Douglas. Chop and an eye rake to Douglas. Flair gets caught off the turnbuckle as he normally would. Douglas puts Flair in the figure four. Gimmick infringement tonight. Running wild, guys. I mean, calm down. <laughs> Jeez. 
The crowd is hot for Flair as they should be. Flair makes it to the ropes. A low blow to Flair from Douglas, including a headbutt to the balls, which is legal apparently. By the way, I want to specify, if Vince Russo gets involved in this match... Flair gets Russo for five minutes. If he if Flair wins, he gets Russo for five minutes. No, even if he loses, if he if Russo gets it because Russo kept getting involved in his matches. Here's why I don't remember because he didn't use all five minutes and it didn't fucking matter. <laughs> That's why I don't remember the stip. There's something about five minutes with Russo associated with this match. Win or lose, it happened, but he didn't get all five minutes. Why? Because, eh, we don't know. Was it Russo? Was it Sting? It looked like Sting coming to the ring. Franchise goes back to the figure four but gets an eye poke. A low blow is delivered by Flair, sends Franchise out to the ring mats. Flair chops the shit out of Shane Douglas on the guardrail. Flair screams at Mark Madden and calls him an asshole, which is what I was doing while watching this pay-per-view. <laughs> Suplex slam to Flair when they get back in the ring. Shane puts a chain out of his boot and decks Flair with it as they were trying to get him over as... Chain Douglas. Get it? Yeah. He does a shitty version of Eddie Guerrero's Three Amigos. And with his last one, it's a delayed vertical suplex. But it's, it's I enjoyed no it. I thought amigos. it was very good. I, I thought it was very good. I say to myself, I can't believe Flair didn't blade from that chain shot. Like, That's This true. man never misses an opportunity to cut his forehead. <laughs> he's like, no, I'm, he's not, like no, I'm not giving you that. I'm not no. giving you the privilege of letting you think you busted me open. No. More chops to Douglas in the corner and a big right hand, and Flair lets out a woo and struts. He chops Shane down and woos and struts some more. He kicks Shane right in the balls. Right. Shinsuke Nakamura must have been taking notes on this match. He takes out Shane's knee. Then he goes for the figure four, but here comes Buff Bagwell, who we just saw, and fake Sting. Again, fake Sting, which they've been using now for four years. Different versions of fake Sting. Who is going... Who's the fake Sting this week? Yeah. Fake Sting of the Week comes in with a bat. Douglas tees off on Flair, and then Buff comes out to assist with the beating. Shane dick shots Flair while Buff holds him. Flair calls out to Russo on the mic, but it's not Russo in the mask. Oh no. It's David Flair! What? You couldn't tell it was your own son? Jeez. The mask. I know, the mask was everything. Now, even though no one came out to help Luger, Luger comes out to help Flair, <laughs> comes out and brings Russo, or uh, Luger comes out and drags David back to the ring. Russo comes out, and for some reason Luger disappears here. So now it's Russo and David attacking Rick with a Statue of Liberty statue. Yes. He, ta- he takes the Statue of Liberty out and <laughs> bashes this thing over his father's head. It flies into a billion pieces start the clock this is flair's five minutes with russo russo and david just beat down rick then the wolf pack music hits again and our superman kevin nash thank goodness comes out again i love i love love the camera shot of david and russo and russo goes oh fuck because <laughs> that's that actually sold the fact that here comes Nash. I thought that was brilliant. I don't like Nash in the role of the superhero. Really? I just... By this point, 2000, he'd been a heel too long. Even as Diesel. I mean, this guy's a bad guy. He's That's not, true. He's not out to rescue. But for some reason tonight he is. He comes out, he attempts to powerbomb Vince Russo, but Daphne, of course, stops it, as she was David Flair's muse at the time. Then Russo hits him with a bat. Russo, Daphne, and David beat down the millionaires and then just walk away. 
Not even the whole five minutes. Just said, nah, I'll leave now. Got a minute and a half out of it. Luger, who ran away, comes back out to check on the guys after they got their asses kicked. So thanks a lot, Lex. The announcers then move on. No time to think about this. Time to recap the Vampiro and Sting feud. The former brothers in paint explode. Vampiro comes out. Sting's entrance is cut off by, by Vampiro, who attacks him on the ramp. Sting suplexes Vampiro on the ramp. An inverted atomic drop to Vampiro as they make their way to the ring. A missile drop kick to Vampiro as Sting is fired up. Sting hits a plancha to Vampiro out on the ring mats. A lot of baby face fire from Sting. Sting DDTs Vampiro on the ring mats. Vampiro low blows Sting, slowing him down. Vampiro hits a top turnbuckle lariat to Sting, and he goes and grabs a lead pipe and comes back in the ring and decks Sting in the midsection and the back, because that's fine. He delivers a nasty headbutt to Sting and knees him in the balls, continues to beat Sting down with the pipe. They battle down the ramp, and Vampiro hits a face buster to Sting. A spin kick to the midsection puts Stinger down. They head back to the ring, and Vampiro goes back to the lead pipe. The crowd want a Sting rally. Vampiro goes for corner punches and gets a super bomb from Sting. Sting gets a lead pipe, beats Vampiro down with it. Stinger splash. One one more Stinger splash with the lead pipe. Scorpion death drop. He had to reposition Vampiro. He didn't know how to take a scorpion death drop, so he had to kind of move him around. After he does it again, just for good measure, and Sting wins, as this is the only guy that was booked like a star, that was booked yeah. uh, to not be interfered with, to have a clean... Win to not, I mean, outside of perfect and Stasiak. And by the way, Sting didn't help out any of the other millionaires on the Millionaires Club. I thought he was pretty selfish here tonight. You know, Nash was. He ran out for him and Flair, ran out for uh, Awesome and and Canyon, remember? So, that was good. Well, it's weird that he would defend Canyon before other guys. Yeah. But I actually, I love this, this. Rivalry that they had going. It's probably the only true rivalry that I believe throughout the ending of WCW that they had that was entertaining wise. They had some good matches together. They had a lot of stupid matches together as well. Uh, the Human Inferno match being one of them. The the kennel, the thing that Sting got bit by the dog. They were paired together a lot because in Vince Russo's mind, what do these guys have in common? Yo, bro, they both got face paint on. They're the same. So, they were paired together. And they did their best with it, but at least Sting here was booked like a star. I mean, the Human was, Torch match, by the way. Yeah, the Just, Human Torch I want to talk about this for a second. Who was it? Well, it wasn't Sting that took that fall. No, it was some stunt man. That's what I thought. Yeah. It, but it was done, real, the switch was done very well. I don't think so. Really? No. He drops down and he's right back up in a matter of seconds. So, Well, Sting was an absolute star in this match and the crowd loved it. And so you can't do much better than that. Have a star go over on the show. True. He contemplates going to the back, but like a dirty heel, Sting comes back and smacks Vampiro with the pipe one more time. We go to Mike Tanay, who's with DDP, and David Arquette, who's now in his ring gear, which is awesome. His red flame ring gear, it was fantastic. Tanay says, this could be the end of Arquette's acting career. Arquette says, uh, we'll just stick to the plan, DDP. DDP says, just stay out of the way and fend them off to go for the belt. Diamond Dallas Page and David Arquette and David, realistically, this could be the end of your acting career, putting it at stake tonight here at Slamboree. Yeah, yeah, Mike, I'm really scared. I mean, I know I look good, but I'm scared. But we're just going to stick to the plan, right, Page? Just stick to the plan. Like I told you. Do what I tell you to do, you're going to be fine. 
way it goes down, it goes down like this. You stay out of Jared's way. That's all, that's all you gotta worry about. You stay out of his way, but if any of those other guys get involved, you know I want you to go straight to the top and you fend them off. You got it? And you take care of things. Hey, when you get up there though, you don't grab the belt. You got it, monkey? Yeah, I yeah, I know you don't want it. I know you don't want it. Nash is backstage and he looks angry. He's looking for Russo, but who knows what he's doing. We go back to Mike Tanay, who's with Kidman and Bischoff as he prepares for a match with Hulk Hogan. You heard that right. As this was a match that was booked on the Bubba the Love Sponge show, a guy that would figure into Hulk Hogan's later life. <laughs> as uh, the story behind this match is so Bubba and Hulk are good friends. Uh, were. Well, they were, yes, exactly. Tampa was where Bubba's based out of and so hulk would go on bubba's show a lot and a caller one time said you know you're holding guys back like billy kidman and hogan said billy kidman couldn't sell out a flea market or something like that like insulted him yeah and so then naturally they were like hogan you said this on the air like now we have to book you in a feud with him because hogan then later like apologized saying oh I was, we're doing an angle we're just doing an angle like he, so he inadvertently booked himself into a feud with Billy Kidman. Which Kidman loved, by the way, I'm sure. He did, but by the way, I want I saw this thing on Twitter. Someone said, Billy Kidman is the only person with three consecutive pinfall wins over Hulk Hogan, and that is bullshit. And I called him out on it, because I went to all the wrestling databases. I looked at every Nitro and Thunder result from 2000 to 2001 when these guys would have met. I mean, I mean, Hogan was gone by July in 2000. Yeah. These guys wouldn't have met before the year 2000 so i looked at all these results no billy kidman has one pinfall win over him and it was in a uh handicap match where his partner was mike awesome and he got a win over hulk hogan but he never got another win and then so i called the guy out on twitter i said i'm not trying to be argumentative but this didn't happen or if it did happen please tell me because i want to see these clean pinfall wins that kidman got on hogan and he was like oh no what i meant to say was like he got some matches where bischoff counted the three and it didn't count that doesn't fucking count those aren't pinfall losses yeah those are clean yeah so anyway (laughs) send in your bill from Slambury 2000, get a Buff Daddy pendant. I have one. Do you have your Buff Daddy pendant? Get a Buff Daddy pendant to hang on your wall. No, I don't have my Buff Daddy pendant. You Sorry. Don't. I have, have to I, get that. I have Flair. I have Hogan. I have Buff. I have Goldberg. I have Savage. Bischoff is out to his awesome WCW theme in his ref outfit because he's going to be the ref. He's with Kimberly Page, who rumor has it that they were actually banging during this time. Uh, they were doing a little wife swapping. Uh, Kidman is out. Where with are t- they now? Yeah, DDP and Bischoff's wife, and uh, Kimberly and Bischoff. There was uh, rumors they were uh, swaparoo during this time. Uh, Kidman is out with Tori Wilson, who would be his future ex-wife. Uh, she looks great. Here comes Terry Bollea, not Hulk Hogan. This is Terry Bollea, folks, with Horace Hogan. Uh, so sad uh, in his black FUNB gear. Get it? Get it? No, I don't get it. Why don't you spell it out for us? Fuck you, new blood. Okay. Uh, Bischoff gets in the face of Horace and says, Horace, gotta go to the back. He fist fist bumps with Hulk before he leaves. Kidman doesn't want to engage with Hogan. Kidman puts the boots to Hogan after Hogan runs after him. Kidman inside cradles Hogan for a near fall. A sunset flip fails and Hogan crotches Kidman on the ropes. Clotheslines him down to the ring mats. Hogan throws him into the post and into the ring. Brings a chair in with him. Slams Kidman on the chair. 
Hogan takes a Hurricane Rana. You heard that right. <laughs> Hogan, for the first time in his life, and only time probably, took a Hurricane Rana and a drop kick from Kidman. He slides outside and they brawl in the ring mats again. Kidman mocks Hogan's ear pose and then Hogan punches him uh, for doing that. Then he gets clotheslined. He takes his weight belt off, of course, as Hogan would do this often. This was legal for some reason. Wallops Kidman with it. Bischoff steals the belt away from Hogan, gives it to Kidman. So now Hogan gets, gets belt lashes from Kidman. Hogan hip-tosses Kidman all the way over the top rope to the mats. Bischoff refuses to count for Hogan. Surprise, surprise. Back suplex to Kidman as a Hogan chant starts. Bischoff again refuses to count. Hogan misses elbows to Kidman three times, then gets the upper hand on Hogan. Hogan tosses Kidman over the announce table. Hulk hulks up on Kidman, punches him, big boot, big leg coming, but Bischoff blocks it, so he gets punched. Kidman gets a big leg anyway. Hogan mounts Kidman with punches. Bischoff tries to chair shot Hogan. Hogan blocks it and chair shots Bischoff and Kidman. Hogan. Hogan, get the table. He does. (laughs) He gets one cheap table. It breaks before he can use it. He props it up on the ropes anyway. He wants to put Bischoff through this table. Kidman chair shots Hogan in the back and in the face. He covers Hogan and counts himself the one, two, and the three. Bischoff counts two and Hogan kicks out. Hogan is bleeding now, but boots a chair to Kidman and low blows Bischoff. Powerbomb Bischoff through a table. Hogan gets another table. Kidman low blows him, chair shots him in the back. Hogan gets laid out on the third table. Kidman misses a splash through the table, goes crashing through. Horace Hogan grabs Bischoff's hand, slaps it three times on the mat, and Hulk Hogan beats Kidman in a match that was a match. Hogan also... I also blame with Sting. Didn't help out many of the Millionaires Club. I didn't see him running down there to help. No, uh, Hogan Chris didn't King. run down for nobody. That's true. You are right about that. Hogan didn't help out for anybody. Coming so. up, it's the Triple Cage for the world title. Promo piece recaps the whole thing. Gene is with Jeff Jarrett. Ask about the Triple Cage. Jarrett calls Mean Gene a slap ass, and he's going to get his title belt. He says, choke on that, Okerlund. Oh, so I guess you think you got it all figured out, don't you? Well, guess what? You're still just a geriatric slap ass. Slap ass. Now, as far as the cage goes, I can't wait to embarrass GDP and that 150-pound turd, David Arquette, because I'm going to get my title back. And tonight, we're going to play a little game of boots and ladders. And when it's all said and done, they're going to be flossing with my shoelaces. Why don't you choke on that, Okerlund? Michael Buffer is here. And for the first time ever, this actually makes sense. Are you ready to rumble? Yes, we are. We've seen the movie. <laughs> this cage is massive. Jarrett's out first. Then the champion, David Arquette, is out next. Not a good sign. Okay. What, what, i got to spend a second here. His wardrobe for this... Is amazing. Is amazing. The flames and the whole, like, Elvis pose. Like, he was all in. Yeah, he's all in before Cody Rhodes was. Yeah, he had red uh, tights with suspenders on. He was... With flames. Styling and, just, and profiling. Oh, man, dude. It was like if you got to be a pro wrestler for a day, what would be the outfit you picked? And that was what he picked. Yeah. A good choice. Diamond Dallas Page is out last. The man who scales to the top and gets the belt wins. Jared goes after Arquette, but Page takes over, of course, to defend his poor friend from Hollywood. Jared DDT's DDP and chases David Arquette, but DDP cuts him off. Page hits a rock bottom to Jarrett, and Arquette misses a splash as he's doing some offense. He misses a splash on Jarrett from the top turnbuckle. DDP swings Jarrett into the cage and into a ladder. 
A Jarrett baseball slide sends Paige into the cage and the ladder. Paige slings Jarrett into Arquette into the cage. Paige attempts to crotch Jarrett on the buckle. Arquette gets a lariat from Jarrett by accident as Paige ducked out of the way. Paige crotches Jarrett, grabs the ladder. Jarrett is now busted open. Paige runs him into the cage walls. Paige tries to climb the ladder, but Jarrett suplexes him off the ladder. Paige set out power bombs Jarrett. They exchange ladder bumps before Jarrett buries DDP under two ladders, then he climbs to Hardcore Hell, which is the second level of the cage. Which is hardcore weapons. All the plunder. All the plunder. Including the kitchen sink, which they did not use. DDP then makes it to level two after shoving Jarrett off the ladder. DDP gets some bolt cutters, opens the door to Hardcore Hell. Jarrett rams him into a trash can, grabs a chair, wallops Paige with it. Jarrett tries to climb to the next level, but DDP drags him back down into Hardcore Hell. A serving tray shot to DDP. David Arquette watches from the ring below. DDP and Jarrett go crashing out of Hardcore Hell and almost go falling off the cage as they crash through the cage wall of Hardcore Hell. They literally almost went flying into the crowd. They must have rehearsed this many times to make sure that they would not. DDP sets a table up in Hardcore Hell. The table wobbles on the mesh roof. It's a shitty mesh roof. But it's not going to break. That's good. DDP still slams Jarrett through it even though it was wobbly. Both men are now bleeding. Jarrett tries to climb to level 3, but DDP hits him with a chair. Dallas Page teases throwing Jarrett off the cage, but hits a reverse elbow instead. Arquette climbs to the second level. Then he climbs to the third level. He's going to retain his belt. Yeah. He's going to screw everybody over. Only in WCW can this happen, but a run-in is done on the second level of a cage... As Mike Awesome appears out of nowhere and beats down DDP. Yeah. Arquette is going for the belt. No, he's just going to hang out up there and make sure, you know. Nobody else grabs it. Right. And he's going to stay up there for his buddy DDP. He's going to protect the title so DDP can climb up and get it. Diamond Cutter takes Mike Awesome out. Jarrett stumbles into a guitar room. So there's a third part of this cage dedicated to Jeff Jarrett's favorite weapon. I think that's a little unfair, you know. DDP doesn't have his own favorite weapon. But you know what DDP does do? DDP grabs a guitar out of there. Yes. Hands it up to... He's thinking ahead. ...to David. And tells... You know, David now knows. David Arquette knows. Anyone who climbs up there is getting a guitar shot. I am defending my title belt. Which is, of course, DDP. Which is, of course. DDP chants breakout, but then... The swerve of all swerves as uh, Mark of, Madden. Both of them climbing up on each side. Arquette's, he's raring. He's got it pulled back. Guitar's loaded. He's lock, stock, barrel. Twist. Bam. Bashes DDP. Holy shit. The place goes absolutely ape shit. Jarrett hits him with one, two, just for good measure. He falls down to the, the outside of the second cage. Jarrett walks up, grabs the belt, high-fives Arquette. Gives him a hug. The ultimate swerve, as Tony Schiavone would say. He swerved us all. Mike Awesome, then, wants to awesome bomb DDP off the cage, which would have killed him. But Chris Canyon shows up. Uh-oh. Another run-in on the second level of the yeah. cage. It's amazing how these guys can just Climb, appear there. Climbed yeah. it. But he gets thrown off the cage onto the ramp. By Mike Awesome, which luck- luckily this ramp was built to take this bump, so it caves in now, with now him. Now, think about what you just yeah, said. Yeah, Kemper Arena. Kemper Arena. And easily 30 feet. Yes. I'm not denying this at all. He's le- he, he Terrible le- taste. A horrifying, 
horrifying, but there is no amount of money on God's green earth for me to take this fall. Awesome has got to fling him, but has got to fling him... Within the specified... And normal statistics, you know, knowledge would say, the closer you are to the ground, the bigger the area you have to work with, the more, you know, room for error you have to work with. The higher up you get, that room of error gets very... I'm not, I'm overthinking it, but just go. With no, me. no, you're absolutely it, that right. That room of air So for him to be thirty, it had he's got a target. He has to hit feet, uh, thirty feet. I cannot. I kid you not. It had to be thirty feet because they're forty-two feet in the air on the top, and this is off the top of the second tier. It had to be at least thirty feet. That margin for error is very, very. And Canyon's slim. in no control of it. None. And is taking it on his back. And he is taking it from a man who is not afraid. <laughs> yeah, to- who has a history of letting people know he's not afraid to force you to take a bump if that he you wants don't you, want. That yeah. you don't want. There's Canyon! Chris, Canyon! Canyon and Awesome! Great Canyon! Who? Who said that blood was thicker than water? Oh, oh my god. We need help. We need help, God. We need help, Lee. We Come need on. help. Get somebody we need help. Here. Can we you? need help. Are Jesus we going to go up here like this? Oh, oh my God. Jesus. Oh, he broke oh, his God, back. No. He broke his back. He broke his. Oh. oh Jesus, I hope Bischoff and Russo are satisfied now. Oh, are we going to. They're going to celebrate in the midst of this? My God, what's going on here tonight? I actually held my breath. And I do every time I watch this, because I'm still, even though it's played out, I still think, holy shit, like, what if he moves? We're talking about, I swear to God, Alex, two feet to the left or right, he was on the guardrail or in the fence. That would really suck. Yeah. This is the same company where, you know, British Bulldog broke his back in the middle of the ring with a trap door. Yeah. And now you're throwing a guy in the Kemper Arena, by the way, off, off, Horrible taste, but. Yeah. Yeah. And they had done a sting lowering from the ring spot before this, too, like a few weeks before. Like, stuff that you would think after Owen, like, nah, no one's ever going to do that again. Yeah. They did that. And they did this in the same arena. And, uh, yeah, I mean, it might have. I think it was just totally coincidence. I don't think anyone actively thought about that. Well, I feel like someone should have light bulb Spoken clicked up, on and yeah. been like, hey, man, like, no, let's not do that here. Like, can we do something else somewhere else some well especially when it doesn't even involve the two people in the main event these are this is canyon and awesome doing this last yeah the holy shit moment to go off the air this isn't even your main event feud right this isn't even millionaires club because canyon was associated with the millionaires club but wasn't you know a fully fledged (laughs) member this is going to sound really mean but ida would have enjoyed it more if it had been like dallas battled back and got his hands on Arquette. I'm not saying throw him over the side, but I'm saying like power bombed him from the guitar room to hardcore hell would yeah, have been fine. Yeah, something, that's like a nice five foot drop, right? Something, but have guys there knowing like he's not going to fall off the edge. Have guys like have awesome and Canyon there. Something just because that way you're incorporating. David the main Ar- eventers. Yeah, you're incorporating the main eventers. You're incorporating the fact that David Arquette just screwed him. And also, it's not something so deathly terrifying that you could literally... I mean, the margin of error... I I kid you not, ladies and gentlemen, I cannot stress this enough, is two feet to the left or right, the man is dead. 
There is no... You cannot fall that length in space and miss your cue and be like, oh, oh, well, we'll just jump up in the airplane and jump out again. No. No. Like, this is terrifying to watch. Well, and after the match they had, had earlier in the night, you thought, oh, he took the sickest bump he could possibly yeah, take God, from no, this guy. No. God. The worst was yet to come. Jeez, man. He, I hope they paid him well. Yeah, I hope he earned his money that night. I hope they paid him well for this. Holy shit chance is the copyright rolls, and that's it. Good night. Good we'll God. see you tomorrow on Nitro, and I required us to watch the opening promo for Nitro, which starts with uh, the Millionaire's Club... Uh, well, Paige visits Canyon in the hospital. He's got a broken neck. Broken now, back. For, yeah, broken back, broken neck. For some reason, uh, the it's a shared hospital room, as most hospital rooms are. There's a curtain that divides up the two beds. Somehow, the new blood had snuck in the entire new blood behind this other curtain. And I guess had waited all day for Dallas Page to come in to see his friend. And right when the camera starts rolling and the tears start flowing, the curtain swings open and the new blood beat the shit out of Dallas Page in this hospital room. It's totally improbable. Uh, then we get a highlight recap of Slamberg. Well, you're missing the best part. Kimberly goes and grabs... Oh, the bedpan, right? The bedpan. And says that, well, honey, you're looking a little thirsty and pours urine on her now ex husband wonderful yes then we get the uh recap from slambury the nitro opens up then we get <laughs> the promo of all promos <laughs> please pipe this in no I'll, <laughs> I'll have to play it all i can't do it justice because no one can do it justice <laughs> I, i'm from hollywood baby <laughs> so bischoff bischoff gets the mic first and he says we got you. We got all of you. We knew it all along. And by the way, the David team. Arquette walks out wearing a pimp suit. A <laughs> lime green. If you thought his slamboree outfit was off the chart, his heel promo outfit was even better. A green pimp suit with feathers, boas, cha- a big ass gold chain. This dude was fucking loving life. And... It makes me jealous how happy he was to cut this promo. And he was he. This was literally cloud nine for him. He's Pro- a huge wrestling. Probably fan. as big, if not bigger, than winning the world title. I think yeah, he would like this better in, to be able his... to to cut this promo because he ate it. I mean, and he played this shit to its fullest. What's that? What's that? Is he alright? Sorry, Paige! I really am sorry. Canyon, oh damn, sorry! But you should know better than to trust someone from Hollywood! What's You know, when I was on the set of Ready to Rumble with Paige, I told him that I had a dream to be a wrestler. And he said, He said you'd get hurt, but guess what? You got hurt, Paige. Ah. I don't think he's had his medication. I got one thing to say to you. I was the heavyweight champion.
of the world, thanks to my buddy, Eric Bishop, the king, EJE, baby. What an actor. So put that in your corn pipe and smoke it. What an actor. Almost Gable-like in his delivery. And a wonderful wife, too. Shut <laughs> Sorry, Paige. Oh, damn. Sorry, Canyon. <laughs> but you should have known better than trust somebody from Hollywood. <laughs> you know what I saw when I saw Paige on the set of Ready to Rumble? I said, I wanted to be a wrestler. And he said, Shut <laughs> Well, guess what, Paige? Who's hurting now? So put that in your corn pipe and smoke. <laughs> it was fantastic. It was epic. It was uh, everything it needed to be. By the way, uh, Arquette, it goes without saying, he's a huge wrestling fan. He All the money he made from WCW. So he gave, the, he gave all the money that they paid him to uh, Draws, Owen Hart... Uh, Mark Curtis and Brian Pillman and Brian family. Pillman's family. So it was nice what this guy did with yeah. the money they paid him. He was a huge fan. He didn't want to win the title, uh, but they asked him. They said the film's not doing well. Will you please help us? And he did it based on. I mean, they begged him to do it, and he said okay. And it was a two week run, and I think it really gets more. It gets way more played out than it. Should I mean this title? Oh, people act like it's the world. I mean, okay. This title was in the shits a long time ago before yeah. he got his hands on it. I act like it's the worst thing ever, but I mean, the finger poke of doom killed your title. Yeah, that told you this means nothing. Right. And, and so to have him win it, that just—I mean, yeah. what do you expect? Because you've already told us this means nothing. Yeah. The, so I just think it's so stupid that people get upset about it. They were reaching for straws, man. They were just trying anything, and 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 I think it's a brilliant idea. I really fucking do. And I, with the cards that they were dealt, they did I, the best they could. Yeah, I, I think that uh, they need to utilize this celebrity, and without giving him the title, you're right. I mean, they don't. The thing that Russo always cites is we ended up in USA Today or whatever, and and they're right. I mean, if they didn't give him the title, they wouldn't have gotten the coverage that they got. So you're kind. You kind of have to, because without that, celebrity shows up at wrestling event doesn't get any coverage. Wrestling celebrity shows up wins the world title gets coverage. I feel like this was bigger than Tyson being a part of WrestleMania Four. I really. I feel like the coverage was on it more based. On oh, that. I think. I think this is a more infamous moment. Uh, I think it's a more memorable moment because actually, I don't think that that feud with Michaels and Austin needed Mike Tyson. It didn't. But I'm just saying, all you had really the only conflict that you had involvement in was Tyson counting the three and throwing a punch and, and knocking. Well, out but Michaels. but but you thought he was going to be against Austin, even right. though even though at Rumble he was cheering for Austin. They should have never showed that clip, yeah. like where he was cheering for Austin. But uh, yeah, I mean his involvement in that match was. I just uh, using celebrities is is great in wrestling. It, it went really, down the right way. Ronda Rousey, right. yeah. I mean, well, LT, LT. Uh, I I love the you know 
Snucky match, of course. Okay, well, that one we can actually just... That's an embarrassment in and of itself, even though she actually did take it seriously, the the, the back spring hand... She uh, did a good job, Springboard, yeah. you know, clothesline. I thought the guy from uh, brilliant, Green Arrow did a good job. Uh, yeah. Oh, what's his name? Stephen Amell. What's the dude that played Wolverine? Hugh Jackman. Hugh Jackman, yeah. He, I thought he had a great spot. K-Fed did a good spot. Never, never missed it. I mean, didn't miss a cue or nothing. But... I feel like this trumps them all, and not in a bad way, in a good way. I think it's looked at as because of the history and the lineage of the WCW World Heavyweight Title. It's like, oh, that's a that's a black mark on the on our history. The finger poke of doom was a black mark on your history. The, you know, Starcade '97. Yeah. Well, right, yeah. I mean, they had already done damage to the title. Yeah. Holding it up, vacating it. Yeah, I no exactly, and I feel like it is what they needed to do to give it some sort of a publicity. It's what needed to be done to. Yeah, they got a segment where David Arquette, Courtney Cox, and um, Kurt Russell are all on a movie set. Kurt Russell, they're filming... Kurt Russell said WCW. They're filming 30,000 Miles to Graceland. <laughs> if you haven't seen this movie, by the way, it's one of my absolute favorites. It's hilarious. It's a bunch of Elvis cost, uh, Elvis impersonators robbing a casino and taking off with the money and being tracked down. Anyway, very entertaining. However, this movie was being filmed while in the making of... while David Arquette was doing publicity for and won the title it was perfect because like you said kurt russell is not a wrestling fan <laughs> kurt russell they to, got kurt russell to look at the wcw title yeah they got kurt russell to acknowledge like hey and courtney cox i'm sorry but in like the late 90s courtney cox was one of the biggest oh, the friend main- stars i mean that that was the big story at the time they bonded together to get a million dollars but that was a huge sitcom at the time yeah and so courtney cox was one of the biggest female uh, stars out there in the late 90s. I mean, she's right there with, you know, she's coming out out, out of uh, Friends. Yeah, and then Scream. And then Scream, the movie Scream. She Where she just, met David Arquette. Yeah. I don't think so it was well. a bad idea at all. I don't, I don't, I really, and I'll argue that, and I don't care if it's Jared, if it's JR, I don't care if it's Vince, I don't care if it, I mean, at the end of the day, it was only for a couple weeks. I mean. Right, because, I mean, should should it have happened if none of the other stuff had happened? No. No, yeah, exactly. But the damage but was the already... The damage was already done. So, here it is. You got... Every, You're on a sinking ship already. And I think the fact that Russo's finger was in the middle of it pisses a lot of people off. Because Russo has a bad taste in a lot of people's mouth. Take Russo out. Bischoff was doing what he had to do just to try to keep this floating to get what he thought buying his buy for the company... So he could bring it once again, trying to pull the nose back up on that on that sinking, on that well, you know, nose dive of the of the yeah the business. They had already paid for this movie, so the movie so they have this card. They have these actors that they can utilize. Yeah, which is one reason why I told told you before we did this review. I thought that they should have the main star instead of Jimmy King should have been an actual wrestler. Should have been DDP or. Sting or somebody. That way you could actually have 
one of the stars of the film as your regular weekly star. Yeah. It would be like featuring John Cena. It was like No Holds Barred featured Hulk Hogan, yeah, but that's your star. Like he's gonna show up when the filming's done and be well, right like, back. For for this, Jimmy King should have come out. Like, you know? No, 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 no. That would have been entertaining. Oh thing. gosh! If he no, took it, no, if he they took made a bump. Like if he did, uh, not a canyon bump, but if they he made did. the right choice in uh, <laughs> choosing their star. Even though uh, no, I'm just saying Jimmy King should have came out and assisted David Arquette with with helping Jared or something like that. That would have been awesome. Now this show, uh, there's. Overall, I'd say uh, there's a few matches I really loved. Uh, Mike Awesome, Chris Canyon, oh obviously. Yeah. That's my match of the night. Match of the night. Hands down. I liked Ric Flair's promo against Shane Douglas. The match itself was fine. Uh, I thought Sting looked really good. Uh, that match only took 649, and it made Sting look out you know, to be a huge superstar, which yeah. when you have a star, that's how you should treat them. The main event was entertaining. I mean... It's not a good match by any means. Uh, the turn is surprising. I mean, even though it was kind of hinted to in those interviews earlier in the night with David Arquette, but uh, the swerve was surprising. Uh, yeah. To see this massive cage itself is just entertaining. Yeah. And so I, I feel like it's to, something you need to check out. I want to see this cage back. I feel like this cage is is better than the Elimination Chamber. Well, well, really... We can watch Russo's Revenge one day and check it out for the only other time it got used. But they would try other different kinds of cages. They had a cage that looked like the Hell in a Cell that wasn't a triple cage that they used on Nitros in 2000. They also had the Steiner Asylum, which was this uh, uh, circular cage that fit within the ring. Uh, they tried... A... Which TNA ended up using and turning it into something. They used they used an asylum... Uh, it was like bars. The, when they went head-to-head with WWE the first night, when they brought Bret Hart back on WWE, they tried that and the, circular the, shit. Yeah. Because Jeff Hardy ended up appearing on the Just top. sitting on top of on it. On top of it, It was yeah. so weird. Those yeah. are so... Those... That episode was so weird, and those episodes are so weird. One day we'll go back and watch those, but those aren't very easy to find right? for free. Uh, so on your rating scale, Hornswoggle to Giant Gonzalez, Slamboree 2000. This is a tough one, I think, to grade. Where do you rank it? Seriously? <laughs> like, no bullshit, no gimmick, dead-ass serious. I put it as an Andre. It's a need to watch. Wow. It's a, and, and that pisses so many people off. I know, but it's a need to watch. I feel like it is it is a moment in WCW history where they that little glimmer of hope flickered that maybe they might could save what was a sinking ship. I'm going to give it a Mike Awesome. I'm going to rank it up pretty high, too. Uh, I don't think I'm going to rank it. I mean, not for match quality. If oh, you, God, no. I mean, no. the first match would make you want to turn it off. Yeah. If Prince Iakea will make you want to turn this thing off. If you skip, and, and this is nothing against Tammy or Candido at all. You're right. If you start at Mike Awesome and Canyon and go the rest of the way, you'll be fine. Yeah. Uh, but, I mean, I, Henning and Stasiak, I, you, you could throw in there too. I actually... I would skip that. Okay. But, yeah. Awesome, awesome and Canyon down the rest of the card. Awesome and Canyon from there on, it's a great show. I mean, hands down, I'd put it up there, running neck and neck. 
Come on. The exact same point in time, they're coming off of the heels of WrestleMania 2000. This, they, they had this, an is opportunity. A, this is a better card than WrestleMania 2000. Yes. I, I, I know. That's a controversial statement, but I'll 100% agree. I would rather watch this a million times more than WrestleMania 2000. Exactly. Any day. Any day. And that's a show that includes The Rock. You know, yeah. I mean, one of the, the greatest of all time. But yeah. God, that was an awful show. Yeah. That was one of the worst shows we reviewed. Yeah. And this is way more entertaining. Yeah, it is. And in Canyon Canyon versus Awesome, the rest of the car from there on, it's... It's just like when you, uh, if you get to the end of it, were you entertained, yes or no? Not, was this good? Was, what, you know, did they do good moves? And this all? is one that you're, this is one that you can sit down and watch time after time. It's not a... I watched it once. Okay, I'll pick it back up and watch it in three years or yeah, four Yeah, it holds years. up very well. It holds up. It's entertaining. You catch yourself in like enjoying this. And it has the high moments. It has the, the everything. Yeah. The poor, <laughs> the poor tasted moments that make you cringe because you're like, fuck, really? There, you're doing that now. But, I mean, it was... WCW in 2000. Yeah. yeah. So I think we shocked a lot of people with our review of that. And uh, for our next review, what I would like to do is a... We're going to change it up a little bit, right? Yeah, I'd like to change the format just for one week. Uh, let's watch. A Let's Watch version from WCW in the year 2000. But we're going to go up a few months before the reset Nitro, before uh, Russo and Bischoff were united. We are going to go up to Super Brawl 2000. And what we're going to do is just you and I watch it together. And you're going to get our commentary. And you'll get our commentary as it goes on because it features, Patrick, without question, my favorite match of all time. Better than Savage and Steamboat. Better than Austin and Hard at WrestleMania 13. It features the skins match between Tank Abbott, between Tank Abbott and Big Al. Skins match. See, I cannot. I don't remember this. Oh, Patrick. Once, I, once you see it, you'll never forget because <laughs> it's amazing. It's, I don't remember this. It's it's the greatest and the worst of pro wrestling all rolled into one. It's a landmark. It's a historic moment. So is this a Russo hit it out of the no, park? No, this is run, or this, this is the book. This is the booking committee. This is okay. This, this is, is Kevin Sullivan. <laughs> this is Kevin Ed Sullivan. Ferrara and all the other guys. And 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 Mike uh, Mike Grant. I'm not. Uh, and yeah, Mike Grant. Mike this Graham. is uh, this is the team. This is what they came up with. <laughs> Sid, I think, is in the main event, but that's not the real main event. The main event is the skins match. It's Tank Abbott is Tank Abbott. It's in the middle of the card. Okay. And it's not the special main event that features the demon. Which they well, I'll explain in the next pay per view why it had to be a special main event. It's a three. It's a three hour show. It is. Yes, you're gonna have to sit with us for okay. well two two hours forty. Okay. Can you be here for another two hours forty? Because we need to record it right now. Yeah. Okay. Can you do that and eat dinner? Yeah. Okay. Can you listen to us munching and? and- no, we need to eat dinner and then do it. <laughs> I don't want to listen to people chew. But that'll do it for this week for Slamboree 2000 and uh, the amazing David Arquette title run. A future Hall of Famer. I swear to God, he needs to be in the celebrity wing. He's he's very funny on Twitter because if I've tweeted at him a couple times, not from the Retro Wrestling account, but from my own, and said, 
the year that DDP went in and said, you need to be the one to inter- inter- in- induct him. I said, you need to be the one to induct him. And he liked my tweet. And then another year when they were talking about who needs to be in the celebrity wing, I said David Arquette, of course. And he liked that. So he's very responsive on Twitter. He's a very interesting guy. The Arquette family is very interesting. Um, I, I would not be opposed to... I feel like him trying to reach out to him and see if he wants to be a part of our, our show, one show, just to talk wrestling. I feel like he'd do it. He's crazy enough to do it. He was crazy enough to accept being the WCW champion. I really feel so. like he would do it because we're not just some regular... Well, we are regular normal, people. But. I mean, no, we're not. We, we're we a higher okay. class of pro... of of podcasting and radio shows oh, of course so, but yeah no i would uh i i i'd be interested in reaching out and seeing if he'd like to talk so so that'll do it for this week as always you can follow us the retro wrestling podcast.com or at retro w podcast on twitter where can they find you patrick I'm Patrick Young, or Patrick Young Wrestling on Facebook. Okay, Patrick, and that'll do it for this week. I'm Intern Alex. I'm the one and only, the greatest referee in professional wrestling history, Patrick Young. Saying, as always, my closing line's a clothesline. And bingo, you're bingo. Anything that Russo was involved with, I thought smelled like s***. Anything he was associated with, I didn't like. The guy was a three-trick pony. He really didn't have what he said he did. A lot of us thought Russo was there to uh, disrupt and destroy and finish off the company. Thought it was a conspiracy. I know now how they were successful because it was who was in charge, it wasn't them. I believe he did try his hardest to to uh, overcome and help out as much talent as he could, but it just, it just didn't happen. As things started to unfold and the things that were said about him were true, <laughs> and the aspect of he was a little bit off um, when it came to uh, the creative aspect of Again, in my opinion, of what the industry, where it was going. They needed for him to be better than he actually was. I think he was a creative guy, and he did a lot of great things here. But I think that they didn't know the whole story. That's when it started getting ridiculous. Then Megadeth is playing, and then they got the Kiss guy. And nobody cared about any of these people. You wanted the best. You got the best. The hottest band in the world. Kiss! The lowest rating ever in the history of WCW at that point. Kiss, the four-minute uh, lip-sync segment. I was less uncomfortable with that than I was with the David Arquette involvement into the WCW business. My God, here comes David Arquette. What's left of him? Who can score the pinball here? Spear by Arquette. He's over towards Arquette. One, two, three. What? What? what the? David Arquette won the world title. David Arquette won the world title. He can't believe it. He's a very talented actor and a funny guy, but, you know, come on. Are we a WCW champion? I don't think so. I love David, man. As long as it made sense, I don't care who had the belt. You know, everything is temporary. It was, uh, it, I don't know what to say. You know, a joke? Yeah, okay. It was a farce. It was an embarrassment, athletically. What it means, you know, for the title, definitely might as well throw it in the trash can. Nothing against David Arquette, but uh, he didn't deserve it. We didn't deserve it. 
that happening to us. But there again, that's the, the lack of leadership. <laughs>